in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, Bunk Bunkers, welcome to the show. We're happy that you're here. I hope you really know. Andy, it is the best time of year. It is Bunkmas. Merry it's Bunkmas. It's the most bunkiest the time of the year. You'll hear Peon is growling and Flatwoods is prowling and everyone's near. It's the, the most, most bunkiest time, time of the year. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, I lost it there. Yeah, you, well. my, my, my falsetto starts at middle C, Andy. Oh, yeah. My falsetto starts below that. Yeah, okay. It's the Bunk most bunkers. It is our uh, it's our special recap episode, recap which we've done every year, which is which isn't once. like a kneecap episode, which is what happens if you don't pay your gambling <laughs> debts, bunk funkers. That's right. We're gonna recap. Uh, we're gonna recap our year here, twenty twenty. You know, we're gonna talk about it's it's a clip show. It's gonna be our top episodes. We're gonna talk. There might be some special guests to show up. You know, who knows? Who knows what you're gonna get? This episode is wet, wild, fast, and loose. That's right. Um, for all you bunker lore fans, I mean, this is your wet dream. This is you. That's what we hope to bring. I mean, that's what the spirit of bunkmas is all about. It really is. The spirit of bunkmas is you put out a stocking. Is the spirit of you going to sleep and waking up in a pool of your own fluids. You put out a stocking at Bunk Miss, you wake up the next morning, it's full of crust. Yeah, it's crusty old sock. <laughs> That's hanging, the spirit of Bunk Miss. Hanging by the fire, filling your home with its aroma. So there's no research today, there's no story, no topics. So, so it's not. It's like every other week. It's like every other week. <laughs> this is really just like a two hour long intro. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Which I know all 20% of you, of you, all will of be you really have really, really been looking forward to. <laughs> No, we, I mean, it was a, it was a wild year to say the least here in Bunkerland. I mean, so many podcasts have talked about this. It was a real struggle. You know, the Zooms, it's just the the, the fucking pandemic and the blah, blah, blah. I mean, we don't want to, we don't want to bring down Bunkmas, but we will say this. We are so thankful to each and every single one of you who listens to the show, supports the show, writes in, does whatever, even if you don't do all that stuff, just you listening just just being able to, you know, we get a lot of messages where people would send us stuff like, hey, you know, uh, you guys help brighten my day. You make me laugh. 
You lift my spirits. And I think a lot of people, especially this year, but in most years, but especially this one, they needed that. And right. for us to be able to do that, you know, not that we're some fucking high and mighty people, but just being able to spread a little joy right. to some people's day. I mean, we are so thankful for that. We're so thankful for everybody who listens. Yeah, absolutely. And we I, just love being able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, thank you for everybody that's sent in a message like that uh, to us. We love to hear that. Uh, we don't believe you, but. No, I mean, you know, we tend to believe the, you know, it's like a 10 to 1 ratio that those messages are on the one side. And for every one of those, we get like 10 messages that say like, you know, please stop doing this. Um <laughs> You know, I don't have to listen to it, but I accidentally did. And <laughs> I can just tell that you should stop. Yeah. Um, you know, you you ruin my day every time I listen. Um, it's messages like that. I mean, you guys say that you don't stink, but I can tell you both smell bad through the microphone. <laughs> right. Uh, Your smell is so awful. It transmits in audio form. You know, it's like if if. Every time I listen to you, I somehow also get diarrhea and that doesn't make any sense because I've been intermittent fasting and I haven't been eating fast food. Right. And it's it, you, like listening to your podcast is like eating McDonald's for the first time in six years. <laughs> That's right. It's instantly in my colon. And you know what? Your messages about brightening the day really help <laughs> ease the burn of those other messages. But we're very thankful to everyone who listened. I mean, the show is, uh, you know, we've, we've grown. We've gained a lot of new bunk funkers this year. We had a lot of big plans in 2020. We really did. Yeah. We had a lot of yeah. big plans to do big stuff. And they kind of all came uh, crashing to a halt. Yeah. And we appreciate your patience with us, your patience with the Zoom episodes. Um, You know, I mean, it's uh, it was a bit of a struggle. But uh, as a lot of podcasts will say, but we appreciate you all sticking around. And uh, we hope to continue to provide you the whole enchilada well into 2021. You know yeah, we saying? hope we can keep your mind tummies full. Um, that being said, uh, you know, Andy, there's a few things we want to get to before we get to the top five. We're going to count down 2020's top five. Wow. And some people might say, you know, uh, it's like, you know, uh, how can you guys even do like a top something without a cutoff date and you just kind of do it willy-nilly it's like listen the can you know some episodes maybe haven't gotten as long as others to grow and it's like yeah okay look we're like, aware look, of all the flaws yeah i don't pay attention to calendars andy in fact i stopped paying attention to calendars years ago and that's what you'll find out in my books that i've written that help you find the uh the secret to immortality it's called fuck everlasting it's a book by me. It's a New York Times bestseller. It was rejected by Amazon. I mean, this is a great book. I've written it myself. It's my secret to immortality. If you don't pay attention to the date, you don't pay attention to calendars, or they don't, you don't care about them, your mind and your body realize that you don't need to age. Right. And you can just, you know, so fuck everlasting. Find out. It's New York Times bestseller list. Uh, yeah. But hey. Only available on Art's personal website. You know, it's, uh, you know, it is something. <clears throat> the New York Times did look at it. <laughs> yeah, they they read it and <laughs> roundly disputed its claims. Actually, Jeff Bezos himself came out and said, I will never fucking print this book. Get the fuck out. I have all the money in the world. I will use every cent to make sure this book never is on Amazon. And I said, Jesus Christ, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> It's called Fuck Everlasting. It's kind of like it's it's kind of like Tuck Everlasting, but you know, 
There's a lot of other stuff in there besides how to age. I guess I gave away the big secret. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't need to buy it now. No, no, no. You really should. The rest of it is just workout tips and drawings. It's 280 pages. There's a lot of drawings. Not a lot of writing, but mostly drawings. Fuck everlasting. Only $58. There's a lot of my personal theories are in there. Yeah. You know? Anyway, fuck everlasting. Fuck everlasting. Find it at your local Barnes and Noble. Yeah. They took it. They're <laughs> desperate. They, they need anything they can get. If you if you can find an open borders, it's definitely there. <laughs> Maybe check the airport. That's right. <laughs> um, I've also been told by my publisher, who is also myself, that uh, <laughs> that uh, it makes a great doorstop. I mean, a lot of people have been writing in saying this thing makes a great doorstop. Yeah, it is 851 pages. Of- it's 208 to it's either 288 to 851 pages. <laughs> either way, you're going to get a lot of variance. Depends on which edition you get. <laughs> There's multiple editions already. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck everlasting. everlasting. Heart's been busy. Um. I think last year, Andy, we kind of talked about something that was kind of interesting, and I want to bring it up with all you bunk bunkers. A little peek behind the curtain here. Oh, wow. Last year on our Bunk Miss 2019 recap, yeah. we talked about how we were shocked that Project Bluebeam made it into even the top 10. We were like, how the fuck is this episode in the top 10? Why is it so popular? It made no yeah. sense to us. You remember that? Yeah, we. Uh, I think that we both, last year when we did this, we were both absolutely baffled by the popularity of project bluebeam because we had never heard of it i never heard of it and it's kind of a it's kind of a scattershot it's all over the place theory to me uh and you know the key dates have all passed and nothing that it said would happen (laughs) it's a doomsday episode i mean yeah yeah and and so we were both um you know it's fun we had a lot of fun talking about it um but yeah, we were surprised that that one was so, so popular. And it continued. It's our number one episode of all number time. Number one, Bunk Bunkers. <laughs> it's the biggest episode we've ever done. It has more listens. At, uh, well, no, that's not true. But uh, it's not the number one episode of all time. It was for a little while. And <laughs> it got unseated. Oh, oh, okay. So I lied. But here's the thing. It was for a long time. And uh, still, I mean, that's it's fucking crazy that uh, um, you might be hearing some clicking. That's just uh, ignore that. Another another peek behind the curtain, though. um, Do you do you want to tell the bunk bunkers what now currently is our number one all time episode? Uh, No, because uh, I want to get to it in the top five. Oh, okay, okay. Our number one episode right now is a 2020 episode. We'll put it that way. Okay, okay. For the longest time, JFK could not be unseated. Oh, that's right. That's he was right. King Kahuna. He was on top. And then the fucking uh, Harvey Oswald that is 2020's episodes <laughs> came in and fucking just blew his brains blew right his brains out. I mean, the guy just can't win. Yeah, poor JFK. I mean, this was probably the real feather in his legacy, yeah. uh, which, you know, your leather is your your legacy is covered in feathers. That's right. As everyone knows. That's right. So the real feather in his legacy was being our top episode. <laughs> The macaroni in his cap. Um, yeah. It's, the sage uh, in his boots. That's right. But, I mean, anyway, Andy, I guess it's, you know, we'll we'll get into it here. We'll talk about some uh, snubbed episodes first, some episodes we thought might have performed a little bit better. I mean, who knows, yeah. you know, um, 
you, know, you never know what can happen on these recap episodes. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, Art, I, I think that, um, if I remember right, you were pretty, you had, a, you had one ready to go, right? That's right. You were, you were pretty hot on a snubbed episode, an episode you felt was snubbed. Uh, I gotta say, I, I definitely thought that our episode on Zodiac Killer was gonna be a fucking top 10 chart topper hit. I mean, that had gold record, that had platinum record, that had myrrh record written all over it for the Christians. <laughs> uh, yeah. I really did. I really thought, and uh, not that it performed poorly or anything, you know, we're not sitting here, but it just, it wasn't as popular as some of our other episodes. It just isn't like, uh, you know, certain topics are more popular than others. Uh, and yeah, uh, Zodiac Killer just didn't, wasn't that hot. There's maybe a myriad of factors why, but I thought that was a great episode. I mean, really bunk funkers, you're missing out if you don't listen to it because Andy drops a bit of a, he drops something other than a big old turd, which is normally <laughs> what he drops, or a potato. <laughs> He's always dropping hot potatoes or turds. Yeah, I got potatoes. This time he dropped some knowledge on that episode, Andy. You had a great take on who the Zodiac Killer is. Wow, you think so? You did. You wow. had a great conclusion that I don't think a lot of people have explored. Well, I'm not going to repeat it here because no, you gotta I think if to you it. haven't listened to it, you got to go back and listen because you need all of the information to really understand where I'm coming from with it. Um, I have to agree with you, Art. Yeah. You know, it's like, if I look at these numbers, Zodiac is comparable to uh, things like the Lucifer Project. Yeah. Um, which I don't think, you know, Lucifer is uh, interesting, but... It's nowhere near as well known as Zodiac Killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Zodiac would so. be a real, would would uh, take off like a bullet from a gun. Did you hear that? What is that? You Knocking hear that? sound? Scratch What's that noise? Oh, uh, why don't you go, yeah. Oh, it's me! Open the doors! Open the doors! Move aside, Art! Move aside, Art! Oh. Whoa! Ah. He's pushing me out of the way! Ah. Art, be careful. Oh, hello, hello, bunkers. Hello, it's me, Mick Jagger. Yeah, baby. <laughs> it's, it's me. Oh, my God. Mick Jagger. Mick, <laughs> Mick Jagger. You from didn't notice me, Andy. Hello, yeah, it's, baby. It's sorry, sorry, Mick. Everything looks distorted from the open face toilet. That's right, that's right, that's right. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Wow, Bunk yeah. Bunker's Mick Jagger is That's here. right. I love it. I wow. said, Mr. Bunker, give me some brown sugar. That's what I call it. <laughs> when I listen to the show. <laughs> That's you call you call our you call this podcast Brown Sugar? And then I said, Oi, give me some shelter. Why don't I just go to the bunker myself? <laughs> Yeah, baby. Come well, on now. Come on. Well, Mick, uh, thank you for being here. This is quite a surprise. That's right. Uh, yeah. Did you? Did, are you friends with Peon Musk? How did you get in here? That's right. Me and Peon go way back. He's me beast of burden. Oh, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. That's right. Yeah, baby. Um, you know, I'm sure you've got sticky fingers after shaking his hand. A little bit. <laughs> uh, I said... Bunker looks different now. Would you paint it black? <laughs> no. You can't always get what you want. Oh, yeah, that's true. But if you try sometimes, you I just tell might you find. what, though. Let me just say something. You and Art, I love you guys, and I love Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Yeah, baby. 
<laughs> but here's the thing. I've got a bit of sympathy, sympathy for the devil. Yeah. You yeah. got to get, you got to be nicer to Mr. Bunker. Nicer to Mr. Bunker? Yeah. Why? He's a honky tonk bunk. Honky tonk bunker. <laughs> That's. He's a rainbow, Andy. A rainbow. Yeah, why are you? Gesture toward your crotch when you say that. That's what I do. It still uh, works. That's fair. That's fair. I'm having kids. Uh, yeah, I know. Mi uh, Mr. I'm Jagger. Forever. Mick, um, can yeah. I call you Mick? Yeah, call me Mick. Yeah. Okay, Mick. Uh, Can't you hear me knocking? <laughs> Why you knocking? Can't you hear me? <laughs> you came in. We heard you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Mick, why should we be nicer to Mr. Bunker? Just because he's country? Because he's got you under his thumb. <laughs> wow. And let me tell you boys something. You boys can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Well, Come on now. Give it to me. <clears throat> Look, Art and I are not. You can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> Give me some bunks. Bunk faction. Yeah, baby. Come on. <laughs> It's uh, only rock and roll, Andy. Uh, it's bunk and roll. Yeah. Uh, geez. Um, all right. Well, I mean, your logic here is unassailable. We probably should be nicer to Mr. Booker. But honestly, Mr. Jagger, we haven't seen him in a long time. I know. He's like wild horses. Yeah. He's just running. Couldn't run me away. Yeah. Couldn't. Whatever. I don't need to remember my own lyrics. Oh, yeah. Oh, Mick Jagger. Yeah, baby. Do you use a teleprompter? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I just like to gyrate. Yeah, you still got the moves. That's right. I'm wearing skin-tight leather pants. Yeah, I can see. Skin toy. You've got a bulge. I've got a bulge. Um, You know, as you look back... Keeps uh, the blood flowing to me brain. That's how I live so long. Uh, Mick, as you look back on 2020... um. Which episodes did you really enjoy listening to? Oh, baby. Uh, <laughs> I remember them all. Probably the music conspiracies. Oh, yeah, baby. Kurt Cobain was hot stuff. Me and Kurt go way back. Yo, yeah, give it to me. Well, yeah, you have to. He died like 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah, baby. I said, <laughs> I went up to him and I said to him, Kurt, you ought to name your band Nirvana. Oh, that was your idea? That was my idea. Wow. Yeah, baby, it's me, Mick Jagger. Uh, do you know anything about UFOs? Oh, love UFOs. Yeah, can't get enough. You ever yeah. had an experience with a ghost? Oh, yeah. Keith Richards, we, the two of <laughs> us. Is he a ghost? Oh, come on. He is a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever fuck Keith Richards? Yeah, tons of times. Yeah. So you fucked He's indestructible. Ghost. He's an alien ghost. Yeah, did you did you did you hear about him getting his blood changed in Switzerland? Yeah, he does that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You're Wow. Yeah, baby. Uh, you just come back from Australia recently? <laughs> yeah. 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 This is where it's been me time. Yeah. Come on. It's me, Mickey Jagger. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. Um what what do you think is your greatest achievement as a as a musician? A well, celebrity. besides being in a uh, one of the best British invasion bands of all time and being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and playing sold out crowds, baby, yeah, and having multiple platinum records and hit songs, mm -hmm. I would say that my greatest achievement in life is 
meeting you and I right here, right now. Wow. At Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. This In is, the bunker. You heard it. Your first bug fuckers, Mick Jaggers. That's right, baby. Legacy, another feather in his legacy. That's Meeting right. me in art here in the bunker. Getting to see me completely nude on the open face <laughs> toilet. You look great, baby. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I've been gaining weight at an alarming speed. That's right. As the tears go by me eyes, I'm crying. Yeah. Yeah. You look it's like, like I'm living in a ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're the Midnight Rambler, baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been called. Uh, mostly because I show up outside of people's houses at night eating sandwiches. That's right. <laughs> Shut up, Art. Wow. Go, go, go get uh, us some lemonades. <laughs> oh, sorry. Lemonade's not allowed in the bunker, man. Oh. Uh, can we get you something else? Well, no, you know, thing is here, Andy. I'm Mick Jagger. I really do need to be going. <laughs> I hate to be Jumping Jack Flash. <laughs> but I got a flash. Yeah, I understand. Well, I just wanted to be said, though, Mick Jagger. I love Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Number one podcast ever. Wow. Thank you. Mick the Jagger. Rolling Stones 100% endorse Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is quite a boon for us. That's right. Anything else I could do to help you guys besides saying this in public or saying it on our social media, which I will not do. <laughs> Uh, I guess you could just keep saying it in private. That's right. Well, I'm going to let Art back in on the show. I'm going to jump in Jack Flash and go hang out with Peon Musk a little bit later. Okay. Hey, have a good time. All right. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Wow. Wow. Mick Jagger, oh, bunk funkers. I was trying to make lemonade. He told me to go. He pushed me. Yeah, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't step on his toes like that verbally. Yeah, he's, he's got that old, man, old man He's got that old man strength. Jesus Christ, he fucking pushed me over. Well, that he's in shape. Yeah, I mean, all that gyrating and fucking and sucking and yeah, drugs over the years. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Wow, that was everybody's dancing in the street out there. I mean, Peon Musk, Mick Jagger, they're dancing out in the street. What? Oh, they're dancing out in the street. You they're should go see it. Street. You'll go see it later. Wow. Yeah, I guess. I'll well, that was wild. Uh, you never know what can happen on. Uh, yeah, I'm Mr. the Bunkmas recap episodes, Andy. Yeah. Well, anyway, Andy, I mean, do you have any snubbed episodes you want to bring up? Um, you know, I was gonna say uh, the Zodiac Killer because we, we did not talk about this before. Right. Uh, that I thought the Zodiac uh, Killer uh, would do better, um, but I'm gonna mention another one that I think I'm surprised just because what a mystery and what a good story. Maybe it's just because it's not as well known of a topic. In general, but the Summerton Man. Oh, I thought that one was really, really interesting. That was a great one. Uh, but not a fun, not, a, yeah. not a top performer. No, but I think that's a great. That's a it's a true mystery, and you know, there's this angle of uh, lust between the researcher and the descendant of the Summerton Man. <laughs> that's uh, true. That makes it extra hot, and I think everyone could benefit. His hot, from sexy to it. calves. Yeah, that? yeah. His huge fucking calves, right? Yeah, because he was a dancer. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I think part of the reason why Zo I thought most of the time, I mean, you know, it's just bigger topics are more popular, right, and you'll sure. see that with our top five today. Hey. What you hear that? Is it Keon Musk and Mick Jagger, or is it? No, it's something different. Oh, it sounds like a low oh. rumble. There Hold it on. is again. Mm -hmm. 
All right, I'm going to... Yeah, do you want to go get this one? I'm going to lift I... my bubble off of the yeah. open-faced toilet. Y you go lift your bubble. I'll sit here. I'll waddle over to the door and see what's happening. <laughs> Walk, but all right. No, I prefer to waddle. Okay. What? Whoa. Hey, boys, it's me, Chuck fucking Yeager. Oh, my God! <laughs> it's I'm Chuck back. Yeager! You pieces of shit. Oh, holy shit! Hey, fuck you. <laughs> Jeez, all right. What the hell, Chuck Yeager? I flew in here at 900 miles an hour. Uh, what? 10 miles an hour for every year old I am. <laughs> You're fucking 90 years old? Yeah. And I fucking flew 900 you miles look, an hour. You look great. I mean, you, but here's the thing I can and tell. And I parachuted in here. A lot of your I bailed out of my plane while it was in flight. It crashed. Crash your plane near the bunker? Look, I'm Chuck fucking Yeager. I don't need to make sure a plane lands. I just Jesus jump out. Christ. Jesus Christ, Chuck Yeager. I can tell that a lot of the wrinkly skin you have has been pinched back. Almost like uh, that episode of The Simpsons where Homer pinches all of his fat back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got one of those uh, binder clips on the back of my neck. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's from how fast you go. No. Oh, oh, yeah. Is that not true? No, that's not true. It's the opposite. <laughs> You do that for to be aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah. You go so fast, your skin just droops down. If I if I took these things off, yeah, there would just be a pool of skin on the floor. <laughs> Chuck Yeager skin. Chuck Yeager skin. Uh, Chuck, we're big fans of you on the pod. Have you heard hey, us uh, talk about you before? Yeah, I heard. Uh, I heard about. Well, I was on the show before. If you remember, that's right. Uh, I came in to fuck a car on your show. <laughs> Well, it was to settle an old score, but I ended up fucking that car again. That's right. You guys hooked up. Yeah. You and the demon car. I put my junk eagle. in its trunk. You went in through the back door, huh? Yeah. Look, that's the only way you could go in on a car. Art, I don't know if you've ever fucked a car. I haven't. Well, not you yet. Try it sometime. Yeah. It feels good in a way. <laughs> it feels different. Yeah. It doesn't feel pleasant, <laughs> but you do get off. Chuck, I mean, what brings you to the bunker again? I mean, last time you were on the bunker, you kind of hacked our feet, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not even hacking your feet. I visited you in your homes like uh, <laughs> like a badass Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, you kind of came down the chimney, it seems, and then you zipped over to the microphone. Yeah, if there was anybody who could be. Over, he's still rolling around on the floor like a weeble wobble. Yeah, yeah, he can't get out of that thingies and he's covered in shit in there <laughs> he's like a turtle on his back yeah uh you know if anybody was gonna be a real life santa claus it's chuck yeager that's true if there's anybody who can make it around the world and is also tracked by norad 24 7 it's you chuck yeager. <laughs> i'm a security threat for a lot of reasons now boys i just want to say after i appeared on your show to settle an old score with the golden eagle right i started listening i never heard of a podcast before okay and I started listening, and wow, what a great show you've got here. Yeah. So I just had to show up for Bunkmas and, you know, shoot my sidewinder of whatever. Please don't discharge your firearm or anything else inside the bunker, please. <laughs> hey, when Chuck Yeager needs to discharge, he discharges. You don't tell him to find a corner. You just let him do it. <laughs> Do you know who I am? I know who you are, Chuck Yeager. You're the fastest man alive. That's right. And don't you fucking forget. You're fucking Chuck Yeager. I'm Chuck Yeager. Look, 
You're the fastest man alive. You broke the sound barrier multiple times. I broke the sound barrier. They fucking can't fix it. <laughs> I broke it so good. It doesn't exist. There's anymore. a huge hole in the sound barrier out in the salt flats. And I'm going to live until I can break the light barrier. Wow. You want to go faster than the speed of light? Is that I what you're to I want to break the light barrier. You want to go faster than the speed of light. Chuck yeah. Yeager. Chuck Yeager's going to do it. Well, how the fuck are you going to go that fast, Chuck Yeager? You got a car? You working with Bob Lazard on a fucking speed car? Yeah, he built a jet engine and he hooked it to a Toyota Tercel. <laughs> and it'll go 800 million miles an hour. <laughs> now, a Toyota Tercel. That's a pretty aerodynamic car. I mean, that's, you know, good. It was the fastest car. car ever built. <laughs> Those are the cars they use in NASCAR, right? Yeah, the engines are shit. But if you strap a jet engine that Bob Lazar made to it, it'll go 800 million miles an hour. <laughs> wow. Um,. I'm going to travel to Zeta Reticuli and fuck the first alien I find. You want to be the first man to fuck an alien? Yeah. Also traveling at the speed of light. Well, no, I'm going to stop to fuck the alien. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, are you going to wine and dine the alien, or is it just like straight up a fucking <laughs> duck? The alien can wine and dine Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager wow. doesn't pay for his own meals. Wow. Chuck Yeager doesn't pay for his own meals. I haven't paid for a meal since 1954. And that was a mistake. And that was a mistake? You must have been like what? You must have been like a little boy back then or something? Or I don't know. No, I was 61 years old back then. Oh, okay. That makes sense. You've, you've been that going math so checks fast out, I'm pretty sure. you've actually slowed down aging. Yeah, if you go fast enough, you reverse age like Benjamin Buttons. Right? Yeah. Isn't that the premise of that movie where you go yep. so fast, you reverse yep. age? Benjamin Buttons goes so fast that he reversed ages. That is the premise I only of know movie. it through memes. What? I never saw the movie. What? I go too fast. I only see it from memes. Do you watch People the- send me memes from the internet. <laughs> memes. Oh, Christ. I just got it. Um, Chuck Yeager. What? They're memes, Chuck Yeager. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, God. You got boomer humor. Um, Chuck Yeager. Yeah, the boom you heard was the sound barrier being destroyed. Yeah. Chuck Yeager, do you listen to our show on like 5% speed, like five times speed, because you like to just go fast all the time? No, I listen to it at 25 times speed. Oh, wow. Chuck Yeager, let me ask you something. Do you have beef with Sonic the Hedgehog? Because uh, he goes fast. Yeah, I have a lot of beef with a lot of fictional characters. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. But well, let me ask you Amy this. Amy the Hedgehog. Do you guys, is there anything Knuckles got- the Echidna. <laughs> is an Echidna. Miles Tails Powers. Why do you know his full name? Because he's on my fucking list of enemies. <laughs> what about Amy? Yeah, I said Amy. Oh, you did? What about, what? what's the chaos one called? Shadow? Shadow. No, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> because he doesn't fuck with Sonic. Let me tell you, is there anything else? Is there anything you connect with, with Sonic, though? I mean, love of chili dogs, love of gold rings. Yeah, neither one of us wear pants. <laughs> but you still wear shoes? I wear shoes. I wear shoes and socks and gloves. Don't does any have gloves? Yeah, I wear gloves and a flight jacket at all times. And you're both battling an egg shaped villain at sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his his is Doctor Robotnik yeah. or the Eggman. Uh-huh. Uh, and mine is Humpty Dumpty, the the character from Nursery Rhymes. He's not real, but I tried to get a band from books. Uh- <laughs> oh wow. You just got, you don't like that story. You don't like how Humpty Dumpty falls off a wall. An egg doesn't fall off a wall and you put it back together again. That's fucking bullshit and they shouldn't teach kids that. Well, all the king's horses and all the king's men tried to put them back together. Yeah, I'd like to see a horse do anything. They don't fucking have thumbs. 
Well, what about the king's men? The king's men. Fuck them. How fuck fast the can they go? You want to be the king, Chuck Yeager. I am the king. Wow. The king of speed. <laughs> Have you ever done speed, Chuck Yeager? Yeah, I did it just getting here. Wow. I mean, Chuck Yeager, I got a... I got a hand. I haven't slept in 41 years. <laughs> you can't tell. You really can't. My eyes don't focus anymore. <laughs> That's right. I feel like you're on another plane of existence, Chuck Yeager. I basically am. I hallucinate constantly. Well, Chuck, is there anything else you want to say about the show? I mean, we're kind of doing a recap episode here. Mick Jagger was over there hanging out. Did you see him? Oh, yeah, yeah. I fell on him when I parachuted. He should have moved. <laughs> oh, no. Because I don't tuck and roll. Somebody has to catch me. <laughs> Boys, I just want to say keep up the good work. Wow. Thank you, Chuck. And Mr. Yeager. Go fast. You are you saying get through the intro faster? Go fast, boys! <laughs> oh, oh, there he goes, Chuck Eager. Whoa! Whoa! He just zipped off. I'm gonna go help up Andy and then uh we'll cut. We're gonna cut and then we'll cut back to me when I pick up Andy. Help! There you go. Get up there, Andy. Come on. I'm trying to look at you. Jesus Christ. Whew. Jesus, Andy, sorry you were on your back that whole time. Thanks, Art. But you're used to that. Yeah. I'm a real slut. <laughs> what the hell happened? You didn't see Chuck Yeager fucking knock you over at the speed of sound? That was fucking Chuck Yeager? That was, was Chuck going fucking so Yeager, fast. man. He was going so fucking fast. Jesus Christ. Mick Jagger, Chuck Yeager, two J last names. Wow. Chuck and Mick. Uh, Chuck Yeager is a, is a Y. It is? Yeah. Well, I learned something new today. Wow. Um, Chuck Yeager says he's going to break the speed of light. That's his goal. He wants to break, <laughs> break the, speed the speed of light. Of light? <laughs> he wants to go faster than the speed of light, okay. and then he's going to go have sex with an alien. Wow. Did you hear that? That's a pretty Chuck Yeager thing But he kept to do. telling us to go fast. Yes. I don't know what that means. Hmm. Yeah. Do hmm. you think it's related to the show, or do you think it means something in our personal lives? Go fast. Tell you what, Chuck Yeager is like a old master on the hill of uh, mm. like in a kung fu film. You don't, yeah. you know, you won't understand what he means until it hits you square in yeah. the face. You know his, what I'm saying? His sage wisdom, we sage need. wisdom. But wait, see what it means. What what could it all mean? Another bunkmas blessing. True. Well, I mean, Chuck Yeager, Mick Jagger. What a what two great, fantastic guests to to greet you here Jeez. on Bunkmas. The two biggest celebrities in the world right now, easily. Um, well, perhaps by go fast, he means we should get to this recap here, Andy. Yeah, maybe. Um, Andy, we have a few honorable mentions. These are, these are episodes that didn't quite make the cut. They are so, so close, so close to making the cut. One of them is anyway, but they just weren't quite top five material. Just weren't there. Kind of like us. Uh, <laughs> Let's start it off here, Andy. This is honorable mention number one. I don't think we're going to play clips from the honorable mentions, but we'll just name them. Okay. All right. We do whatever we want on this clip show, okay? Yeah, it's our show. This is episode number 45, The Fermi Paradox. Oh, The Fermi Paradox. You remember that one, Andy? Yeah, I remember that one. I remember you liking that one a lot. This is a good, uh, it's a good topic. This is the, uh, this is the idea that. Where's uh, all the aliens? Yeah. Where is everybody that, uh, you know, the Drake equation mm. Mm, supposedly 
predicted a certain number of alien civil intelligent civilizations would be spread throughout the universe. And mm -hmm. our question is, you know, as we expand our knowledge and, and we continue to look for things, where are all these extraterrestrials? Yep. Um, and honestly, it's a, it's a big, it's a big question. Um, and I'll just say this. I mean, since this is a bunk miss recap, throw out to a great bunk bunker, Jake, uh, for suggesting that topic. That was a great topic. Jacob Carson, uh, you know what? Great, loyal bunk funker, been with us a long, long time. Also, co-host of his own show, which you mm -hmm. should go check out, The Infinite, Infinite Void, Void Podcast. Infinite Void, yeah. Great show. Uh, a lot of really great, if you liked Fermi Paradox and you like science and you like UFOs and you like technology, philosophy, um, that's the show for you. They, they have a great, great content there. They're very smart. Yeah, they are intelligent young men. Jake's a bit of a space Maddie. freak. What? Jake's a bit of a space freak. He's a space freak, 100. percent I think he'd be okay with us saying. Yeah, that. I mean no disrespect. Freak. I mean that. In it's the... not disrespectful. No, it's just a category. It's a space freak. Yeah. I mean, you're either an egghead, you're a space freak, or you're yeah. a hogged out chat. Hogged out chat. Yeah. But I mean, there's only two spots in the hogged out chat category, and it's like you know we kind of have them filled. Yeah, so. we we trust us. So we've until one of us them. dies, which will be you know soon, but <laughs> I mean. You know. I mean, probably by this time next year, I'll be gone. So, <laughs> oh God, uh, no, Jake Carson. I mean, you know, we're, we're we're it was a great episode, and I think um, this this proves it. It's an honorable mention. It really is a topic about uh, what's our position in the universe. Like, are we really alone? Yeah, it's a good one. It gave us a lot of talking points, and I'm sure there were very fun bits to be had. <laughs> um, we'll just have to imagine that that's the case. That's true. <laughs> Moving on here, we got to move on here to uh, the next honorable mention. I was sad to not see this one make the top five. Yeah, this is Cicada thirty three oh one. Yeah, yeah, this great is, topic, man. Such a wild topic, weird and creepy and intriguing. Yeah. Uh, if you like puzzles, a lot more puzzly than I remember it. Huh? You know, I, at first I was kind of like, all right, we're gonna get into it, but then it's like it's really just a lot of puzzles. It's a lot of puzzles. Cryptology. But it, there is that question, that overriding question of like, why and what? I mean, I think we talked about it, that it just seems like it's probably some puzzle freaks. Puzzle freaks. That are out there. Different uh, from space freaks, different from eggheads, they're know. puzzle freaks. But like the whole- Puzzle nuts. The whole runic thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's wild the, to think uh, that that like a bunch of dudes made a puzzle that a bunch of other people just can't fucking solve. Now, if I recall correctly, they talked to some some- some cicada heads, some cicada freaks who are still actively trying to solve this. Talk to another, you know, a couple. They went to like a cryptology convention, like a puzzle convention. What's it called? Like the Uber Primus or something? Liber Primus. Liber Primus. That's it. And they said that, uh, you know, it's very easy actually to make a puzzle that's unsolvable. Yeah. You just like it's you just have to like have something about it, like a key or something to it that. Could only be known by you. Like, there's just no possible way. Yeah, where it's not logical. It's broken. Yeah, there's no logic to it. There's no yeah. actual way to solve it unless you were to have it explained by the creator. Yeah, it's like if I do if I make a puzzle, but I do it in a way that has no logic to it and no right. system. Like, if I say, okay, every time I, I'm going to write out a thing, but every time I'm just going to pick a different letter than the letter I want to use. Yeah, totally like, random. Nobody would be able to ever figure it out because right. it's, it's pointless. Um. But it was a fun episode. I I can't remember if it was suggested to us by somebody. I think it might have been. Might have been recall. Ian. Recall. Well, we'll talk about him. <laughs> talk about that guy. <laughs> um, talk about a puzzle nut. Dude. Yeah, yeah real freak. But Cicada was definitely a topic that I'd wanted to do and have Bunker, you know, 
approve of for a long, long time. Yeah. Because it was something that I had heard about even before this podcast started. Yeah. And I mean, you delivered the goods uh, on that one, uh, digging into all those puzzles, uh, describing in words a puzzle that only could be accurately understood through pictures. Yeah, that was the hardest part about that show was that it, you need the pictures to understand it. And yeah. it's like, it just makes no fucking sense. I will say this. So I had a D&D campaign that kind of died out over the summer here in uh, 2020. And I used one of the puzzles from Cicada 3301, the book cipher. Oh. I used the first book cipher as like a method of creating a puzzle in my campaign. And uh, nobody solved it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even get fucking close <laughs> I, I mean i'll be honest with you like reading about cicada i was like i wouldn't have gotten the first thing so oh i was so fucking dumb i was like i'm so stupid i would have been like i would have been lost i wouldn't have even bothered like i would have been like well this is this picture well i'll say this though the first one is like you have to have prior knowledge of that technology right there's no puzzle it's you put it through a program and it reveals the encryption right. behind the image yeah it's not like how the fuck would i know that yeah it's not like a thing that you if you didn't know it, you wouldn't be able to figure it out. It wasn't like I was presented with a puzzle and then told to like, you know, that you can figure it out just knowing what you know. Like, right. You know, I've done some puzzles like simple math. Puzzles. Yes. Yeah. But it, I mean, it is a good topic. And it is. I think it's I think it's a very interesting one. Yeah. Um, and it's good that it's that high. You know, I it know is. it didn't make the top five, but I think it's worthy of a position near the top five. Um. All right, well, here we go, Bunk Funkers. It's time to get into our top five. Wow, the top five countdown. <laughs> Andy, uh, would you like to kick us off? in with yeah. our uh, your fabulous countdown voice? All right, and here we go. Coming in at number five, the fifth most popular episode of 2020 here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast is... 9-11, part two. <laughs> now, firefighters can confirm that pull is often a term used to mean removing personnel from a dangerous structure. So, Dick Wolf, if you're listening and we know you are, we very much expect to see a storyline on Chicago Fire involving the term pull and someone playing Bop It. Andy and I are very much available for the roles, but we refuse to audition. We're offered only, and auditioning is beneath us. Also, my main character has to be either having active, hard, graphic, full insertion sex with another character in all my scenes, or ripping the world's biggest bong hit in all of my scenes. Meaning... I want other characters to enter the scene and before they say shit about the fire or the drama going on, or they got to say, whoa, dude, are you taking the world's biggest bong rip right now? <laughs> These are non-negotiable, Dick Wolf. All right, let's move on from Larry and start talking about Barry. <laughs> Barry Sanders, one of the greatest running backs ever in the history. Oh, oh, no, sorry, sorry. Different. Sorry, that's a different episode. Uh, Different Barry, episode. Barry Jennings, uh, that is. On uh, 9-11, Barry Jennings ran into Building 7. I mean, Barry Sanders could have run into it as well. Then that probably would have made it collapse. Oh, he yeah. juked it off of its foundation. I feel like that the stuff here is is part of the whole enchilada. 
It is. I mean, and this is the big stuff. This is what we have an audience to think, but we have all the bunk bunkers to think about. And, um, you know, we want to give them the whole, the, kind of the baseline, you know. And it's just like with JFK. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we missed on JFK. There's stuff that we missed on MK Ultra, our first episode. And they totally deserve follow-ups that we can definitely get to with tons of other theories and considerations, you know. Uh, I mean, we're one year in. Um, yeah. The next year, all we're going to do is redo every episode. And <laughs> yeah. This is the lineup, guys. Each, I mean, this is what you're going to ep- get forever in perpetuity because we'll never do it right because that's not our style to do things right we do them just to do them yeah we do them wrong um on purpose yeah i mean i i i I agree that i think the building trutherism stuff you know i'm gonna be honest it really doesn't hold it doesn't hold uh doesn't hold water for me personally you know yeah, it's like, um, what were we compelled by in doing this research? I mean, not much, right? I mean, no, not even a the, little bit. The the um um the 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 basis for a lot of these arguments is is just to uh, I think this was um, author Phil Molay said this about uh, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the exact quote in front of me um, that some truthers just sort of ignore the evidence, um, ask startling questions, and then just piece together some kind of explanation for them, yeah. assuming the worst case scenario. <laughs> so, yeah. and I think yeah. I think a lot of this stuff it fits into that category where there's almost a, a, a willful ignorance toward actual evidence in favor of some something more fantastical that helps fit a bigger overall narrative that they're stylized facts. Yeah. Stylized facts. It's a great way to say it. You know, and I think a big problem with all this building shit is, is like you do kind of need advanced degrees or some have some kind of knowledge of stuff about engineering and buildings and architecture and, and shit to really understand this. Like you needed to sit there and wait until fucking 2008 or whenever they put out the the um the building seven document or you know you had to wait a little while before the fucking uh the twin towers documents came out or their commission report or all these other things and it's like the way truthers kind of frame it and obviously you know we don't mean all truthers but you know what do we mean um it's kind of convincing you're like you know you're like yeah I could totally see that. A bomb would probably topple a building. Big bomb go boom. Big bomb go boom. Building go down. But then, you know, the researchers kind of come in and explain the science. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of see that too. So it really can mess with your head because it just kind of becomes this like semantic argument instead of like what it really is, which is like the nature of our physical reality versus things that are just made up right it could really be space beams like it could you know the fire is just a hypothesis in a way in the same way that gravity is right like it could have been space beams like you know i don't know it could have been i mean we could you know there's you can make that argument about anything though right like (laughs) i suppose this is one of those cases where the absolute definitive answer to the question will never be delivered because yeah. <laughs> we 
all we can all we can make it make a determination on is based on what evidence exists and you know for space beams no evidence exists same thing with a, a nuke there's no evidence to back it up there's there's, none. there's no real evidence other than people up. being like well nukes go fucking boom and those buildings went boom yeah exactly it's like i you know the buildings would have been you're telling me they pancaked i didn't see one fucking piece of syrup where, where was the butter where was you the know, butter where was used, the syrup if they used a nuke those floors would have been vaporized not there would be radiation poisoning over the entire financial district i really did go on that it's i forget you can look it up it's like nuclear uh, destruction just google nuclear destruction you don't have to go to google to google this either you could just google it from your home <laughs> yeah, um yeah just do it from home <laughs> um nuclear destruction map thing like tester you'll find it it's some website and you can literally like pick the kind of nuke like you can do the fat boy you can do the bomb the bomb they dropped on hiroshima you can do the biggest nuke ever detonated on earth the biggest nuke ever detonated by the u.s tons of stuff so i looked at a few different nukes i looked at they have one that's like a small terrorist nuke which i think is like a hundred suitcase nuke a hundred tons of dynamite wait what'd you say a suitcase nuke a suitcase nuke. Um, and then there's like a few others. And even the smallest, quote, terrorist one, I mean, would have leveled the the fireball destruction and then the, the sound wave destruction of a nuclear blast is just, it is so fucking massive and destructive. It mm-hmm. would have destroyed so much more than what was destroyed on 9-11. And there would have been radiation just like covering all of that. Like the financial district is on that like southern end of uh, Manhattan, the island of Manhattan. Yeah. Or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know your boroughs. It's an island. Whatever. Islands in the stream. That is what Manhattan is. Um, And like a nuke just would have decimated so much of that area i mean all of like liberty street there and like wherever the other cross streets like so much shit would have been destroyed yeah if a nuke had gone off we wouldn't be asking about what happened at building seven because building seven would have been completely destroyed yeah all right that was 9-11 part blah (laughs) i forget what did we title 9-11 part two 9-11 part two is titled building trouble yeah, is it building trouble? Is that what we? That's a about? fun title because it's about all the, the building stuff of nine eleven. Yeah, the nanothermite. The it was a bomb. The fires. The blah blah blah. Uh, that the that the that the, the yeah that the plane didn't really cr- crash or right. whatever in the Pentagon. That it was whatever. And it's 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 a it's a play on words. You got building trouble, and it's building up trouble for the nine eleven conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a meaty episode. This is a big honking episode. I mean, I can't even, I can't even remember. I know that this is a, uh, this one is, uh, let's see here. This is a three hour and 15 minute episode. It's chunky. God, we'd like to hear ourselves talk. (laughs) Um, you know, that, that was part two of our two parter on nine 11, which was a big blowout double episode one year anniversary one year anniversary yeah um 
Yeah, we looked at everything. Jet fuel can't melt steel beams, controlled demolitions, nanothermite, space beams. Oh, yeah, space uh, beams. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it was a wild topic. I think what we found um, and I we're not sure what clips we're going to play yet, but um, there's there's plenty to choose from. These weren't the most like these weren't. You know, these weren't the most fun episodes because there was actually like a lot to discuss and we kind of ranted a lot. Yeah. You know, we rant a lot when it comes to these kind of episodes and that's okay. Maybe some people like that. But yeah. <laughs> I remember we weren't very convinced by a lot of the building stuff. Yeah, I don't think that... Um, I think that the conspiracy angle on 9-11 overall was not super compelling to either one of us. Um, and especially with the building stuff, um, you know, because the the idea really is that the structural deficiencies leading to people tend to think that, oh, the plane's crashing. Like, there's no way that this could have led to the collapse of these buildings, that it's inconsistent with how buildings should perform in those right. settings. Plane fly into building, buildings should go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Or, but that's not how it happened. It went downwards. Yeah. It collapsed on itself. And then people say, well, it's like the top part of it's not, that should have just fallen off. It shouldn't have like pancaked. And it's like, you know, everything we found scientifically like supports that it happened the way that it probably should have happened. It has been looked at by, I mean, uh, with more scrutiny than like probably almost any disaster befalling a, uh, anywhere. Yeah. I mean, are there any more studied building failures? Than these? But I will say this, and we mentioned this on the show that was pretty interesting is building seven was kind of the linchpin for the longest time because it took, I forget how long it took. It, it might have been like, it took a while yeah. for the whatever government agency or whatever, the third party agency that did their report on Building 7. It took them a long time to come up with that report. So for the longest time, you had people being like, but Building 7, how does Building 7 fall down if nothing crashed into it? And we both kind of said, like, if we had done this podcast, like maybe even 10 years earlier, and we looked at Building 7, Building 7 is kind of convincing. Yeah. If, once you, you know, after you learn, but yeah, yeah. If you, if you, you know, it's like having all the, we did it at a good time, having all the information that's right. available because, you know, it gave a real opportunity for us to like address building seven specifically. Cause yeah. like you said, that's of everything. Building seven is like the big one where people go, right. That's, that's evidence of a controlled demolition. Cause that building had, and you know, even still today, like all the, like they, it's very minor amount of damage, right? Like that interior of the building is just like it was subjected to like barrage from crumbling towers, right? And then it's just like, oh, this little shift inside in the building, like just the whole thing collapses, and it's it, like the it, heat expanded the yeah. There was a fire burning so hot that the heat expanded and caused enough shift to for it to fall and um. But uh, I think part of adding to that was that the original 9-11 commission report barely touched on it. I forget what they said exactly. They said something like, I don't know, uh, it was a fire or something. Yeah, yeah. Building 7 didn't even get like a page in the report because they didn't didn't fucking know and nobody knew. And so like people ran with that for the longest time. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you know, and then you had people like you had actual like some there's some conspiracy group that's like structural engineers mm-hmm. for truth. Yeah. Or architects for truth. Yeah. Something like that. And they, for the longest time, were like, there's no way this could happen because yeah. I mean, 
to them, it's just highly implausible. And so that's that's convincing stuff, I think. Well, I don't blame people for believing that. You know, it's like Larry Silverstein was right. saying, like, oh, the on the news saying, like, oh, we made the decision to pull it. and the Right, right. You had it. that stuff. And yeah. people are like, oh, pull it means demolish the building. So, like, that's right. proof that he was, like, on the news saying we made the decision to blow up the building or whatever. Which is just, like, taking it, you know, a misunderstanding of what right. was happening. Like, it's a, you know, it's a chaotic situation and then people are misinterpreting what they're actually talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was definitely a fun one and it's probably a big enough topic that someday we could retouch it. Like we could go back and revisit it and, uh, we'd probably have plenty more to say. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess the thing is about, about nine 11 is like, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. Right. Like more information (laughs) keeps coming out about it. It just keeps happening. It's just nine 11 keeps happening. We'll never forget it. Uh, and I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, the longer, the longer the time goes, like more stuff becomes uh, available to the public, more information about what was yeah. like happening at the time. And it makes the picture more clear. So, you know, this is of all the things that we've covered, this is a relatively recent one. I mean, you know, this yeah. was only, this was only 20 years ago. If any of you bunk funkers are wondering, you know, why we kind of, if you're like, well, when are they going to do Epstein? You know, it's it's not that we don't want to do stuff like that. It's just that, like, we'd rather let it develop a little bit more mm-hmm. and then go back. Like, Epstein, for the longest time, I mean, was a conspiracy theory that a lot of people covered. And we even talk, talked about, you know, working yeah. with Bunker to cover it. But then all of a sudden, it's like Epstein didn't kill himself happens. And it's like, holy shit, there's modern developments. Can you imagine if we'd done that episode? And then it's like, we missed out on all those modern developments of that theory. I mean... Yeah, I think we'd rather wait, kind of see how it festers a little bit, and then go back and cover it. Yeah. Give you a whole fucking big meaty enchilada on it. Yeah, yeah, we want to give you the whole enchilada, not uh, you know, not chips and salsa. Yeah, we don't want to give you a salad. We want to give you the whole enchilada. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's a little bit about that. That is our number five. Um, number five. Number five. Andy. Why don't you hit us with that number that comes after five? <laughs> okay, I'd love to. Art, uh, coming in at number four on our top episode, top five episodes of 2020 Countdown. You hear that? Um, I don't, I don't know. Is Chuck Yeager, uh, Mick Jagger making some noise or something? Or no, it sounds like another knock at the door. Oh, uh, well, at the risk of falling on my back again, I'm gonna get off the toilet. And You're gonna get out. All right, I mean, you could go get it, yeah. All right, let me, let me go check this out. Jesus. See, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't, this is uncalled for. Uh... Why, hello there, boys. Oh, oh wow. Who, who, I is, knew who is this <laughs> dapper southern gentleman? Oh, we never did meet in the flesh, did we now? But I'm the man that hijacked your podcast. That was you. You're a Cajun hacker. I'm Devereaux Thibodeau, owner of the Hedgerow Restaurant, oh, the finest etouffee buffet this side of the Mississippi now. Wow, I can't believe it. Well, hey, first of all, fuck you, <laughs> you Cajun hacker. Oh, I deserve that. I deserve that. Uh, listen, I got to tell you, I was heartily impressed. By the way, you boys handled the skunk ape episode. Well, you're damn right. We handled it well. You done a good job with that one. I thought you was going to flub it. I thought you was going to 
make a mocker of the swamp skunk ape, but you did a damn fine job. Sir, Mr. Mister Devereaux, might I say, if you think... Uh, we- Mr. Thibodeau, my first name Devereaux, last name Thibodeau, oh, okay. owner of the Hedgerow Restaurant, the finest etouffee buffet, this side of the Mississippi. That's and that's on whichever side of the Mississippi you on. Wow, you've got one on both. No, I got one, but either side of the Mississippi, it's the finest day to wow. on that side. Well, here's the thing, Mr. Thibodeau. First of all, if you think Andy and I, my darling uh, co-host and I, Andy, uh, would ever make a mockery of anything, you are sorely mistaken, sir. Well, You don't know us. We don't mock anything. That is good to hear because if there's one thing that I respect, it's decorum. Decoral? Decoral. Who's decoral? The coral that come out of the ocean. The coral that comes out of the ocean. You respect the Great Barrier Reef. I respect the Great Barrier Reef. It is terrible how much reef damage has been done down there in Australia. That's right. You know, uh, in Louisiana, we got our own kind of barrier reef. Yeah, you got a reefer. It's called Gators. <laughs> they get out there in the swamp, and they keep stuff from happening. Well... <laughs> I don't it's the greatest natural resource in about time that America understood that gators is tops. Mr. Thibodeau, I don't understand why uh, why Cajuns would come on an episode that has to deal with a Florida cryptid. <laughs> well, look, now, nah, this is a uh, panhandle type of critter. Central Florida, Everglades... Look, he got a range that goes all along the swampy parts of America's underbelly, and Louisiana is definitely in that swampy underbelly of America. Now, two Cajun fellas, we heard the skunk ape. Look, look, me and my colleague Swampo Charlie, we respect the skunk ape, and we respect the law. And look, we had a concern that maybe the two of you weren't going to do it justice now. So we came in. Look, who alerted you? We got our ways, all right? Now we got you hacked something. Are you listening to us? Yeah, we hacked the NSA, FBI. Oh, my God. We hacked the AAA. Hey, I'm sick of you promoting this trope, this Cajun trope. You see it constantly in the media. Cajun hackers. Yeah, look, no, I mean, okay. Look, sure, I get it. Not every Cajun person is good computer, but 90% are. And me and Swambo Charlie, we two of the best hackers. We sit there I day say. and night in our ramshackle shack out there on the swamp, on the bio. We got a fan boat hooked up with all kinds of electronics. And we get out there and we hacking stuff. We got a big old satellite dish where we beaming instructions all across the universe. You're beaming instructions? Beaming instructions with our computers. We to just, what, Ikea furniture? It doesn't matter. We tip, Yeah, I get Ikea delivery, get Amazon delivery. We get all kinds of stuff delivered out there. And we also can control ICBMs. <laughs> we do a lot of stuff. Look. Look, we good hackers now. We can't yeah, 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 yeah. I think my co-host could control a couple of ICBMs. I'm talking bowel movements. Oh, right yeah. Now. It was weird to come in here and see a man in a shower curtain wearing no pants covered in his own dookie. Now, that's strange. <laughs> well, but I, I want to say you boys did all right. And I think I think uh, the Hedgerow Restaurant would like to officially sponsor Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy down ball The Hedgerow Restaurant, the finest etouffee buffet this side of the Mississippi. That's right now. Now, look, I got a few promos I want to send you. Each one of them is 45 minutes long. Oh, well, listen, I mean, 
we're not like listen you know it might sound ironic coming from us but that might be a little bit too lengthy too lengthy yeah. too lengthy yeah i mean we try to keep it at least too lengthy. when we shill stuff we try to at least keep it to a minute okay i'll send you some that are three minutes long there'll be a hundred of them and you gotta run them all during one episode well, can we get maybe like a little like 30 second taste? Yeah, 30 seconds. And then you got to run 50 of them during each episode. Well, can we hear a little bit about that? Like maybe if you could run like a 30 second. Oh, spot you want right you want to hear my ad now? Yeah, maybe a, just like a little spot right like now. Audition? Sure. I mean, if you want okay. me to audition, I mean. Okay, here goes. Well, hello there. Welcome to the Hedgerow Restaurant. The finest etouffee buffet this side of the Mississippi now. Is your belly empty? Do you like rice and sauces and seafoods? Well, then you're going to love the Hedgerow Restaurant, where everything is made personally by me, Devereaux Thibodeau, <laughs> owner and proprietor of this establishment. We got the number one Cajun secret ingredient, and that is love. Wow. That and homemade spices, homegrown vegetables. Well, right, Devereaux, I got to cut you off. That was 30 seconds right there. That was 30 seconds? I was only 1 18th of the way done with that. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it was a great commercial. You could have cut it off right there. Jeez. Made oh with love. Boy. That's the perfect button on the end. Well, okay. I'll do some that are 30 seconds and get back to you now. All right. I'll send them from my Swiss email account over my VPN. You got Proton Mail? I won't tell you what kind it is because I don't want you fucking hacking me, you oh. smart little boy. <laughs> wow. Thank you. I mean... I like that we've formed a bit of a friendship here. I think uh I think you know. this is gonna be a fun partnership for both of our wow. establishments. Well, uh Devro, if, you if like there's to- one thing I want coming into the hedgerow restaurant to eat etouffee, it's definitely conspiracy nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, you know, Devro, I mean, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you not hacking our feed this time. If you'd like, you could go hang out with Mick Jagger, Chuck Yeager, and Peon Musk. Hang out a little bit. Uh, you know, I think we might all go out and have a get a nice meal together. Maybe we'll go to the Hedgerow <laughs> Restaurant. I brought the gumbo in my fambo. Well, Just there let you me go. go get it. I'll go get it out. All right, everybody. Gumbo. Can you pick Andy up on your way out? Can you pick Andy up? I'll try. I'll try. Okay, here goes. <laughs> I'm not as young as I used to be now. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh boy, you are greasy. You are greasy. Yeah, well, he secretes you grease. You smeared that curtain. God yeah, it, damn, you are greasy, boy. Yeah. He beefs and peeps. There you go. Mm. Oh, oh Andy. Oh, God, I'm back on the open face toilet. Jeez, sorry you keep getting knocked over like that. This, this has been a rough day. You're not having a good day. Well, anyway, that was one. I'm of the not Cajun- going to answer the door anymore. I'll tell yeah, you that. Well, much. I mean, that was one of the Cajun hackers. That what uh, was it? Swamp Boat Charlie? No, it was Devro Thibodeau, owner of the Red Row Restaurant, finest at Dubai Buffet. This out of this. Wow. And uh, I mean, he invited. He's going to start sponsoring the show. He said, Jeez. and you know, he was uh, very complimentary of our Skunk Ape episode. Wow, that means a lot coming from a fine Cajun gentleman such as himself. That's right. Unfortunately, Skunk Ape didn't make an honorable mention or the top five, yeah. but. Yeah. Well, um, I guess not everybody likes. He the brought swamp some gumbo, cabbage, and we're gonna go have that. So that'll or be the Bardan booger. <laughs> That's right. Um, so where were we? Number I think, four. I think we're on number four. 
All right, coming in at number four on our top twenty episode, top five episodes. Oh my god, twenty! Get the rest of the list ready. Coming in at number four on our top five episodes of twenty twenty. It's the Simpsons writers are time travelers. Speaking of Simpsons, you know, obviously we're you're all big fans and whatnot. What are your favorite, all-time favorite, the listeners want to know, your all-time favorite episode of The Simpsons TV show, anime Bart Sells His Soul. Ooh, mm, now what choice. is this one? Uh, Bart Sells His Soul is an episode where uh, Bart and Milhouse get in trouble for changing the lyrics of In the Garden of Eden, or they <gasps> change the lyrics <gasps> of yeah, In the Garden of Eden by Iron Butterfly. Um <laughs> Hey, Marge, remember when we used to make, make out, out to this hymn? <laughs> and um, got a few. Bart tells Milhouse, like, he doesn't have a soul. Milhouse doesn't have a soul. There's no such thing as a soul. And Milhouse says, if you're so sure, why don't you sell it to me for $5? For five bucks, actually. So Bart writes Bart Simpson's soul and a piece of First Church of Springfield stationery and Sells it to Melhouse for $5 and buys crappy dinosaur sponges with it <laughs> uh, with funny smelling water. And um, then all this like weird stuff starts happening to him that like usually would not happen to him. Like his cat and his dog don't like him anymore. And like the automatic doors at the Quickie Mart won't oh, open for yes. him. And uh, he tries to like write a funny message on the ice cream bin at the Quickie Mart and he can't put breath out and they're like way to breathe no breath <laughs> um, so he starts getting like really freaked out and he's like oh my god I need my soul back and he asks his mom like oh like what if I don't have a soul and she says Marge is like well you're not a monster and he's like <laughs> freaking out <laughs> so he like goes on this like epic journey to try to get it back and uh, I don't want to spoil it for anyone if Ooh, you haven't seen it. Okay. Get get your Disney Plus ready and go uh, watch Season 7 episode 4 is Bart Sells His Soul. Thank you. Just just to throw that in if you wow. want to watch it. Um you, you know, got your that's Disney a good Plus. Point. The amount of characters this show is surrounded by a very colorful and creative cast of characters that inhabit this little world and over time they have fleshed out i think a number of them um in some ways yeah. worse and than others which we'll probably get to, to the, when we to talk the about the point where the they're shark. just rewriting people's backgrounds yeah. and ignoring yeah. things that they've done well, i think ian's revealing his answer to a question we're gonna ask later right. but i think this lends credence to the fact that these writers have to come up with tons of like little throwaway lines for everyone like it's like it's like you know martin says this to ralph or whatever and it this says this this us like we need a joke here you know, and yeah. they're they're just writing so much shit. It's like they're bound to get one or two things that predict stuff. Um, but anyway, what's your favorite episode, Andy? Yeah, Andy. Uh, oh, my favorite episode. Uh, my favorite episode. I bet I can guess it. Uh, go ahead. Streetcar Named Marge. You are absolutely correct. Season four, episode two, A Streetcar Named Marge, uh, written by Jeff Martin. Um, so in this episode, basically what happens is uh, Marge decides she's going to audition for a Springfield community theatrical production, a musical production of A Streetcar Named Desire called Streetcar the Musical. Um, she does this over the objections of Homer, who is basically completely dependent on her. Uh, she gets the part, 
uh, of Blanche Dubois only after she auditions uh, is rejected and then is seen in the back of the theater uh, depressedly on a phone call with her overbearing husband <laughs> and the over-the-top director Llewellyn Sinclair uh, voiced uh, beautifully by John Lovitz um, <laughs> immediately makes Marge his Blanche Dubois um, and uh, in the episode there's uh, let's see basically how it ends up uh, I'll spoil it it's uh, 20 years old it doesn't matter uh, <laughs> spoiler alert um, so Marge gets the part it's a whole ordeal the whole time they're rehearsing Homer's so needy uh, Ned's also in the show and so she goes next door and Homer's outside yelling because he broke the ring off his pudding can <laughs> which if you're of a certain age you probably don't remember when they used to put pudding in cans well, and there the was ring a little fell ring off top. my pudding can <laughs> yeah. take my, my pen, pen knife my, my good, good man. man and the Simpsons loved the joke of a ring falling off a pudding can I think a pen knife too because that's kind of old school yeah as that's well. very old fashioned yeah um, but it, it eventually the show goes on and they put on a production of Streetcar the Musical, which is filled with delightful snippets of musical numbers and bizarre special effects. Lasers. Lasers, yes. Blanche is flying through the theater. Um, and finally, uh, at the end of the show, um, Marge and Homer have a tender moment backstage where Homer is actually affected by what he saw on the stage. Right. And I like this episode so much because it is... Infinitely dense with jokes. Everything is a joke. Every line of dialogue. So you identify it as like your life. Right. Where everything is a joke. <laughs> clearly. And the points uh, don't matter. Right. Yeah. That's why the points don't matter. Whose line is it anyway? Um, if the characters aren't delivering funny lines, there's visual gags. I mean, it's too much to take in at one point. And uh, John Lovitz is in it. He plays two characters. Llewellyn Sinclair, the uh, director who has directed three plays and had three heart attacks. <laughs> <laughs> and as proof of his success directing an elementary school uh, production, he holds up an elementary school like newsletter that says, play enjoyed by all. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, and also his sister runs a daycare where they put Maggie uh, while Marge is rehearsing and it's in Ayn Rand themed daycare. Oh yes. Um, That's the B plot. And um, yeah. She, it, she like uh, breaks, they, she helps all the other babies break out and get their pee pods. Right. They and put there's their, like a bird's oh, reference. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's um, a bird's reference. Um, yeah. It's just, it's a tremendous episode. Now, Andy, can you guess my favorite episode? I think you know it already. Yeah. I want to say one thing about Natalie's favorite oh, episode. Oh, right. Though. Go right ahead. Uh, one of the best B plots ever where Moe converts Moe's tavern into Moe's, Uncle yes, Moe's family, family feedback. Oh, that's yeah. such a good one. That is a good oh, one. Man. I've seen that episode. There's this great joke where the Hibbert's- Uncle Moe's family feedback. He gets the idea because the Hibbert family shows up and they think that it's a family restaurant. And then- <laughs> Smells like tinkles. Yeah. And then they decide to go somewhere else and they say two restaurant names. I won't be able to remember them both, but one of them is the Texas Cheesecake 
Depository, depository. <laughs> yeah, which, which is, is very JFK funny. Reference. Yeah, JFK. You've referenced this in the JFK episode. Oh, did I? Probably. Yeah. I love yeah. that line. Ian is like a connoisseur of this show. I, yeah, actually, I probably have better recall. He's a bunker of, bunker of, super of, fan. Bunker yeah. episodes. Uh, but Art, your favorite episode is uh, without a doubt King Size Homer. That's correct, oh, and that's yeah. because I've told you that multiple yeah, times. You, <laughs> that's such you, a good one. I, love I showed King you that episode Homer. the first time. We and watched you that episode together. Uh, King Size Homer is also from season seven, but yeah. it is episode number da, 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 seven. Um, season seven, episode seven. Homer, it's a very simple plot. Homer gets real fucking fat because then he can, uh, he has like a disability. So he, he can wants work to from become home. disabled. Yeah. So he can work from home. And he wears a really silly muumu and a fucking shower cap and uh, Bart. <laughs> I wash myself with a rag on a stool. Dude, my mom says that all the time. It's, and uh, I don't know. I, I love Fat Homer he, is just so fucking funny. When like, he has the bird just yeah. pressing yes for yeah. everything. Yeah. They just keep heightening his laziness to just, I love it. Like the absurd levels where he he's, there's at one point where he has to actually get back to the nuclear power plant to save the day. And he stops, <laughs> he stops for ice cream. Like he like, Takes over an ice cream truck. Hijacks an ice cream truck. And Ralph and Lisa are on their way to school, and they're sitting on the school bus, and Ralph says (laughs) to Lisa... I heard that your daddy went into a restaurant and he ate so much food that they had to close the restaurant. <laughs> and she says that he, her dad's not some kind of food craze maniac. And then out the window, Homer shows up in the ice cream truck. He's sucking he's, on an ice cream yeah, cone. Ooh, that's raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, please accept this garbage bag full of popcorn. Apology. <laughs> yeah, when he can't go to the movies. He can't go to the movies. Honk if you're horny. Yes. I just want to watch Honk if you're horny in peace. <laughs> God damn Lumber that lung, is fucking funny. Lumberlung, breaky pelvis. <laughs> Wait, Ian, can I guess yours? Let's guess Ian's. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you will, but yeah. Is it Homer at the bat? You know what? It, fuck. Oh, wow. Yeah. You guessed Got it better him. than he no, did. You're Got right. him. No, you're right. You did you're better right. than he did. I was what? trying to think of what the classic episode it is that's my favorite, and I was like, it's not monorail, even though I love monorail. What were you going to say, Ian? Okay, well, here. Okay, no, she's she's... Totally right. Uh, it's Homer at Bat. Season three, episode 17. Um, and uh, I just think between all the baseball players. Uh, the- Daryl Strawberry's in that one, right? Yeah, Oh, yeah. Darryl. They got Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> talking softball from Maine to San Diego. What is it? Uh, Ken Griffey's grotesquely Mattingly swollen jaw. Uh, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Gene, uh, Gene Sachs? Steve Sachs. Steve Saxon is running, running with the with law. The law. Talking Homer, Ozzy and the Straw. I fucking love that episode. Every baseball player has their own ridiculous storyline. <laughs> so it's not so many like an ABC story episode. It's like there's one big A story and they have a lot of tiny storylines within mm. it. And those storylines are all jokes. They're so, all ridiculous. So John Swartzwelder wrote that episode. Oh, really? And he's a big baseball fan. Uh, in fact, like throughout his life, he used to rent out major league stadiums just so that he and his friends could play baseball. Like he would do that once a year, like rent wow. out a major league stadium just so that they could play a game of baseball. Were they the isotopes? <laughs> yeah, probably. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wrote that episode and it was apparently a point of contention in the writing room because people thought that he only wrote that episode. So he could meet baseball just players. Just so he could meet famous baseball players. Yeah. 
Good. Wouldn't yeah, you? I would too. Yeah. <laughs> and so they know that we're opposed to it, but this is like sincerely one of the best episodes in the series. It's, yeah, it's and it's so, so iconic funny. too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, just Ken Griffey Jr. getting gigantism from drinking the, uh, the, tonic? the nerve tonic. <laughs> Wade Boggs gets into a fight with Barney about who is England's greatest prime minister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lord uh, Palmerston. <laughs> That's right. Pit the elder. <laughs> Shave those sideburns. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wade Boggs famous for drinking like what, like 40 fucking beers in a row or something like that? I think that's every baseball player. <laughs> oh, well, that's It's Always Sunny. Right. That episode where they fly across oh, the country. Oh, that's right. But he Wade actually Boggs. did drink a fuck ton of beers, right? It's oh, all yeah. baseball players. The, the legend is he had like 72 beers on a red eye. No. Yeah. And then woke up the next day and went like three for five with two RBI. Baseball has, a. there's also the guy who threw a no hitter while high as a fucking kite on a right. This is the, so the Pittsburgh good. Pirates player, right? Mm-hmm. There's a documentary about it. Mm-hmm. The yeah. no no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but okay, so Natalie no no. Natalie is totally correct about my favorite episode. Wow. But what I was gonna say was the uh the musical clip show episode. Oh wow. Yeah. Because growing up I That's had interesting. A, I had like the C D shout out to other Mr. Bunker uh <laughs> Uh, Mr. Bunker fan Matt Cochran for burning the CD so I could have it when I was a kid <laughs> when burning CDs was a thing. Oh yeah, but it had all the songs on it and um, all singing, all dancing. That's, that's the right. Name of it. Season nine, episode eleven. Yeah, Ooh. you like musicals, don't you, Dad? No, I don't. I, I think, think they're, they're bad, bad. Mm-hmm. and phony and something I had wrong. Wake up, Dad. You're singing a song. I swear I know all I the wouldn't, song lyrics. I couldn't. I hate that stuff. Now, Homer, listen. I've had enough in our family videos. You can plainly see you're a singing and dancing entertainment <laughs> machine. <laughs> uh, and I love the songs I, I, uh, from the monorail song to um, Mr. Burns. Oh, uh, the 22, 20, 2001 Greyhound. Mr. Yeah. Burns really is a top. Yeah. Three character for me. Mm-hmm. He is so fucking funny. And he's, so he's a character I could never write because I feel like whoever writes him actually needs to be pretty smart and like has a real grasp on like the vocabulary of a obnoxiously rich and he's like one weird little man. One bullion cube, yes. one concord grape, <laughs> an ether rag. I love I love how they keep expanding him. Like he's so fucking weak. Yeah. He's like this. He's so inc- old. Yeah, he's he's like immortally old. Uh he's just like Connivingly evil, but also like childish and whimsical, like the episode where he uh, adopts Bart, oh, so such that a Bart good can ha- be his Season heir and five. have his inheritance. And there's just so much good burn shit in that episode. All right, that was a couple clips from our New Year's episode, first episode of 2020, first episode of 2020, and made it to the top five. Isn't that crazy? It, it literally, I think, debuted on January first, 2020. Yeah. Uh, great episode that we did with our good, good friends, Natalie and Ian. Yep. Now, Natalie, of course, is our princess. I mean, right. she can do no wrong. She's America's princess, Natalie. Uh, I mean, just wonderful. Lightens up, brightens up any room that yeah. she enters. She's, she's who they were singing about in the Mary Tyler Moore theme. <laughs> sure. She can turn the world on with her smile. <sighs> Where do we start with Ian? I mean, we didn't know... Who he was. Ian, Ian. Who he really was. Ian is our friend. Yeah. Uh, and also our arch nemesis. It's true. It's kind of like a thing, you know, it's a back mm-hmm. and forth. It's a back and forth, yeah. 
Um, I mean, great guy, but also we want to bring down his demise because he wants to bring down our demise. Right. I mean, you know, Ian, uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of issues that, grievances that we have to air. Ian, potential baby kidnapper. We've never heard his opinion on baby kidnapping. We don't know. Um, Ian, potential guy who thinks it's, it, it, it is not necrophilia to have sex with a skeleton. Right. Never heard his opinion. Never heard his opinion. Uh, Ian, guy who potentially gave GHB to that guy in Missing 401 who crashed his plane and we never found his body again. Ian, maybe, maybe responsible for the great mole air mystery. That's right. We don't know. We don't know. He's been silent on all these topics. <laughs> now, here's the thing. We want to let Ian have his day in court, right. in bunker court. And we There's... will, when we get them back on the show, we'll let him air out his grievances and we'll figure out, we'll put a, we'll put this to rest. We'll finally get him on the record on all these important pressing topics. That's right. Uh, that helped define uh, his place in the world. But, I mean, this was a fun episode. Great and, episode. Um, a lot of personal significance for me. That's true. Uh, obviously, The Simpsons, a big cultural impact on me yeah. personally. So this is one of my favorite episodes mm -hmm. um, personally. I had a lot of fun talking about it um, and and everything else. Um, one of my favorites. This one, uh, oddly enough, I mean, maybe not oddly enough, skyrocketed to like, I think it was number one. I think this was the episode that unseated JFK. It took off right away. It took off right away, and it just kept kept going. And uh, I mean, it's I don't want to say shocking, but uh, I mean, it's interesting. I guess I don't know. It's got that Simpsons angle. There was I'll say this, bunk funkers. If you're a Simpsons fan, there is no better Simpsons discussion than that episode. You've got <laughs> two huge Simpson nerds in you and Natalie, and then Ian in third, and then me in fourth. As I'm just now really watching yeah. all of the Simpsons, but I don't have anywhere near the knowledge and the ability to quote the Simpsons near perfectly as you and Natalie do. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, Natalie and I have bonded before over our mutual uh, admiration for the Which isn't, series. it's not hard to bond with Natalie because she's got a great, she's you know, a great personality. A lot of personality. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of interests that you can, that she knows a lot about a lot of stuff. <laughs> Ian and Natalie also, uh, I think, are, are great guests. And I think a lot of bunk funkers respond to them because they have fun stories of things that have happened to them. Uh, and Natalie shared a very scary story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that very really creepy creeped, story creeped that befell her. And uh, I think Ian talked about some UFOs that he might have encountered in the back of a truck. Yeah, that's right. That's very true. Which is where Ian has spent a lot of time. <laughs> he spends most of his time in the bed of a truck. Yeah. As it drives around the interstate. I mean, this guy hates wearing seatbelts. Yeah, yeah. And he does not like to be inside. <laughs> um, they were great guests. And I think that was a really good way to kick off the new year. And I think, you know, if, uh, if schedule permits it, I think it's going to become an annual thing. Ian and Adley on our first episode of the year. Wow. You're here to hear first, wow. folks. We a have new... not asked them about it. <laughs> A we bunker tradition. Anything yet. A bunker tradition unlike any other. But uh, that's how bunker conscription works. Yeah, yeah. You Once you're on, you're on forever. Great episode. If you haven't checked it out, even if you're not a Simpsons fan, there's some great talk about conspiracy and UFO stuff in the intro especially. Yeah. Um, and if you are a Simpsons fan, a lot of, um, you know, there's, there's talk about the topic at hand, but then just a lot of talk about... Uh, yeah. 
the series in general and it's favorite episodes, cycle. least favorite episodes, uh, quotes, bits, a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. You have a good time. Well, Andy, shall we move on to the number that comes after four? Uh, what number is that? Three? Uh, mm, I don't know. Coming in at number three on our top five episodes of 2020 countdown is Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> Listen, I'm into the paranormal side of it. I like that. That's yeah. scary to me. This 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 cursed land and and it's like, you know, all this it's mystical and there's this weird shit and is it a skinwalker? I don't know. No, no. I'm scared, I'm spooked and I'm hooked. <laughs> you know? Oh uh, yeah. Um I don't know. The uh, uh I you know, a cursed land it's, I know you're not into spooky shit. You know I don't buy it. I know you never ghost, buy anything with ghosts, uh, mysticism, religion. Yeah. Uh, grocery, ghostries. <laughs> I mean, that's a little silly. It's silly. And, you know, I, I don't know that I totally buy sleep paralysis either as an, as an explanation for all the stuff that they experienced. But I don't know if I agree. Um, I mean, it's just weird that if you if you had no history of it. That all of a sudden the whole family right, starts and the whole family it. has it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but that's what that. I'm saying. We don't know a lot about the Sherman's background, right? To be able to put together some kind of real reasonable idea about what happened to them, I don't doubt that they experienced stuff. I don't doubt that this stuff happened. I mean, how much of how much of it is stuff that they've said? Yes, this is definitely what happened, and how much of it is like folklore now that's followed them right. and gets their name on it. The dogs that ended up as liquefied flesh in burnt circles on the ground. I know you were into that. Come I'm, on. I'm sure what when you that? read that, you were cheering. I, I'm like, good. Those annoying dogs. Stop barking. Andy, famously for it saying stop that. Stop shitting everywhere. All domesticated dogs are an abomination. Oh, my God. There's so much dog shit all over the sidewalks right now. Right? <laughs> I can't imagine. I could use some of these floating orbs in my neighborhood <laughs> to come and liquefy some fucking dogs. Maybe, I think the dog owners are the ones that you want to liquefy. I don't care. Liquefy them all. Orbs, if you're listening, <laughs> come to my neighborhood. <laughs> come to Chicago and do something. These dog owners, man, they're real pieces of shit. Just like the stuff that they leave behind. I don't blame the dogs. The dogs, they got a shit. The owners are the ones who don't pick it up. Yes, I agree. Oh, baby, we're back. It's no Hidden Valley. It's Skinwalker, Skinwalker. Ranch. Yeah. The best ranch of them all. <laughs> the um, very, uh, very tangy very Skinwalker tangy. Ranch. Very tangy. Not shocked to see this one in the top five. This I'm is not. a big topic. It's a big topic. Yeah. It's a topic um, that I think needs to be revisited. I'll say that. I'll be, hey, I'll be Frank Bunk Funkers. Whoa. We gave you the whole enchilada. Whoa. But there's so much to it. Yeah. And it evolved. This is the perfect example of a story that evolved like the fucking month after we released the episode. Yep. We found out who, at the end of the episode, we talk about how the Skinwalker Ranch was bought from Robert Bigelow by an unnamed buyer. Mm-hmm. That information was revealed. Yeah. A few months after we released this episode. That was big news. Yeah. UFO Twitter was a buzz. Paranormal yeah. Twitter yeah. was a buzz about this one. Yeah. Um, I remember you not being very uh, convinced by this one, Andy. This one was not in your, uh, <laughs> you weren't in, this wasn't in your wheelhouse. Yeah. What was the name of the rancher family? I kind of took them to task in that episode. I yeah, believe. you fucking went hard on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. They changed their names. I forget what their names are. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I don't know. It's one of those topics where it's like, it's so convenient that anytime anything happens, somebody's like, oh, we got cameras all over the place. Oh, they malfunctioned the one yeah. time when one thing happened. And it's like, Ugh. I mean, okay. I guess. And I mean, I don't know what it is about episodes that are like hodgepodges, but I guess it's just that there's something for everybody. Right, yeah. You like giant paranormal bulletproof wolves. You like uh, <laughs> skinwalkers. You like weird lights, cattle mutilation, uh, weird other weird creatures, UFOs. There's ghosts. I mean, there's fucking everything. I like cattle mutilation. That's right, you, you do. steak for dinner tonight. Uh, ooh. Oh, Mr. Bofakovic. <laughs> just kidding, I'm not saying that. Nice. I might have fish too. Oh, good. But yeah. I'll have tilapia. Mm. Probably farm raised and mm. crusted mm. with tortilla. Mm. Fish tacos? No. Mm. Just probably mm. do some hot sauce. Mm. Lemon, maybe. Mm. Lemon and hot sauce. Mm. Just acid. Mm. All probably over the fish. Pan seared salmon, crispy skin salmon. Lemon butter sauce. You know what, Bonefunkers? I've said this before and I'll say it again. Andy isn't just a pig. He's a bourgeois pig. I am fucking bougie pig. He's a fancy pig. <laughs> it's me, bougie pig. Oink, oink. But but Skinwalker, I don't know. I just feel like we really got to um, we got to revisit that one someday. There's there's more yeah. stuff that we didn't touch on. Yeah. Because there's a ton of fucking shit that happens in it. I mean, there's so much. Well, it's a big plot of land and there's yeah. lots of people involved. And right. like, I mean, you know, people that go out there and like, poke around and stuff like I'll have stories. So it's a constantly evolving narrative about it. You know, we, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, uh, we gotta, we gotta get back into it. We gotta, uh, see, cause I mean, it is, it's a, it's a currently evolving story again. The owner has been, uh, you know, listed. We know the owner's name now and we, uh, we know a little bit more about what's going on. They're currently investigating it again. So yeah, who knows? Maybe more stuff will turn up. Maybe not. Um, but anyway, should we just keep chugging along here, Andrew? Uh, yeah, let's, uh, moving on in our countdown. This one is a long distance dedication coming all the way from Afghanistan. Right to your, the heart of your city. Uh, coming in at number two is 9-11 part one. <laughs> You know, uh, it would funnel drug money into the West. It would take, allegedly, the CIA used money, put money into that bank. Right. Um, the Carlyle Group has connections to this bank and the Bush, you know, the Bush family, right? So there's all this stuff. There's all these links between America and Saudi Arabia and black ops missions and secret missions and, uh, and secret shit, closed door shit, right? Like, yeah. Skirting around the UN essentially is what it all pertains to because we're there's the United Nations and then there but then there's the the UN Security Council which we're a part of where we're kind of like super members it's like us and Britain and like I don't know Germany Russia China I think and maybe a few others um not a hundred percent certain on that but it, we're like kind of like super members but it's like. It's all very weird how it's set up where it's like we can bomb people, but they can't, buy, you know, it's like back and forth. Yeah. Anyway, the point is we're interconnected with them pretty deeply. And I, I think that's hard to refute. Right. There's lots of different evidence of that. Oh, yeah. I Obviously, mean, even as even as you know, even in like World War Two, yeah. um, you know, FDR was basically telling uh, Winston Churchill that the British 
the British could have Iranian oil. They could sh- we could, they could share the oil in the rest you of the love Middle East. bring it bunk funkers. I know this because I know Andy, but you don't know this. He loves. I think Andy, you love blaming every single <laughs> like world event on the fact that the British and the French tore up the Middle East after uh, World War One. It's impactful. I oh, you love it. <laughs> uh, you love bringing it up. I feel like. I don't think anything justifies terrorism. Okay. Um, but well, except the fennel. Yeah. You you, would commit many terrorist acts to get rid of fennel. And he hates fennel. If if I find the people who make fennel, it's over. (laughs) But here, but there's not, I'm not going to excuse, uh, terrorism because it's not okay. But hard stance. Yeah, I'm taking it hard stance. It's not okay. Um but I feel like I feel like Arab people, uh Muslim people, they have a legit beef with the Western world. And Sure. I think, sure. I think that it's it goes just all the way back to like imperial colonial actions in the region. And, you know, it's like the British double crossed uh Arabs to get them to help uh, weaken the Ottomans so that they could then just take the territory for themselves. And then they kept these things together for a little while and then just left. And they had redrawn the map. You know, it's like when you're you're putting tribes and different religion factions that are not supposed to be together. Yeah. That would naturally just. Yeah. Naturally, these folks causing not... years of fucking turmoil. I right. mean, India and Pakistan had to fucking you know. There's a perfect example right there. Yeah, yeah, and it, then Sri Lanka as well. And you know, it's had its own like fucking conflicts. We mentioned this in the research, but the uh, they're not even the middle. You know, you know, part of the the tension between Pakistan and Afghan and Afghanistan in the 50s was the the guy who was ruling Afghanistan wanted to like basically unite all the Pashtun people uh, in the region. So he was going to, you know, like basically just annex parts of Pakistan to be uh, where Pashtun people lived and make them part of this like Pashtun state. And, you know, like even now in the fallout from the Iraq war, uh, there's kind of a, there's like a makeshift Kurdistan uh, where Kurds are exist. And, like these are the things that look at look, two decades later do. we're still it's we're still a shit show right like yeah, it's a mess. yeah okay we got rid of al-qaeda and but it's like well now we got isis and then we get rid of isis and it's like who's next i mean we started the war in afghanistan first and it's the one that's still going on you know like we yeah you know we fucking funded it <laughs> it's like via it's like vietnam it's like there's no way out of it there isn't and and that's what i'm kind of saying is like we've been wheeling and dealing in that whole area for, I mean, we and, uh, we and the British CIA MI6, we talked about this in our, um, Tehran UFO episode. We went in there and fucked up their whole country just so they couldn't nationalize their oil. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we did that with the Saudis as well, because I've been reading some stuff on that where it's like, well, the Saudis didn't want them to nationalize their fucking oil. They want that oil too. Um, you know, the, the everybody key, wants a piece of that fucking oil. The the ruling family in 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 Saudi Arabia right now. I mean, at the time, 
uh, of World War One, Saudi Arabia was not a united kingdom. There were warring factions. There was this uh, jockeying for power on the Arabian Peninsula, and the Saud family uh, was backed by the British, uh, and they were successful then and united the kingdom, and then the kingdom of Saudi Arabia was born. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, that was the British ally. That's a lot of levels to go through, so people would have to make decisions super quick about the situation. Yeah. In order for and it there's to get also there. war games and exercises going on that day. Yeah, which furthers the confusion. Now I have to assume it's a little, it's a little sus. It's yeah, a little sus. For sure. I mean, it for is. Sure. It's sus that that on the day of nine eleven they couldn't four out of zero out of four when they normally have one hundred percent accuracy and. You know, they like were they were just so bungled, whatever. Although Um, although, too, we have to consider that hijacked planes probably aren't like in in 2000 when they had this perfect rate, those hijacked planes probably weren't intended to be suicide weapons. No. They were probably intended to do things like fly to Cuba and ask for asylum or yeah. get ransom money. D.B. Cooper style shit. So it's things that would take a longer amount of time. Um, you know, the the fighter jets could just sidle up beside and then they start talking to the pilots about, hey, you got to land this thing or else <laughs> we're going to do something. And then, you know, yeah, it or probably, else we're going to call Tom Cruise. We're going to get Val Coomer up here. We're going right. to get Goose. You want a whole gang, dude. Maverick, yeah. Iceman. Do you want that punk? So, yeah, do you want that punk? I don't know. I kind of feel like 9-11 was also a unique situation. And I don't know enough to know how that plays into the response uh, sure. from NORAD. But I'll agree with you. It's it's definitely suspect that all that was um, happening. It's a weird confluence of stuff if it's, if it's not intentional. You know, I think we'll mention this a little bit more in part two. I think the building stuff is what kind of gives, well, among other things, but I think a big part of it is the building stuff really gives trutherism, I think, I don't know, maybe it demonizes it a little bit. I don't know if you agree or disagree. The building stuff name. gives trutherism a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the original <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, Bon Jovi originally wrote, you give love a bad name about 9-11 truthers. Um, Osama's wanted, wanted, only only dead. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the things that we covered in this topic today, this overarching conspiracy, I don't think it's that taboo. Would you agree or disagree? Oh, I I agree with you. Um, And I think part of it is that the government has a history with this. I mean, Gulf of Tonkin. um, And then the suspect nature of Pearl Harbor, which is an interesting one. Um, But definitely Gulf. Yeah, definitely Gulf of Tonkin is is like a slam dunk on this, right? Yeah. because we now know because the stuff's been declassified that there there really was nothing you know that this was just a almost a fictional thing that happened 
that was used to justify. Some reports say that they were just like sitting out there in the Gulf of Tomkin firing at nothing. Right. Yeah. That just they like that they did nothing. it. That like the US did it, but it was just there was no nothing on the other side. Right. Yeah. So I mean the fact that the government has a history in this kind of thing, like sort of gives well, a little and, credence yeah. to nine eleven. And a history of doing shady but I, but I think, but I think Cointel Pro we've covered, we've covered MK Ultra. I mean, these are real yeah. things that actually yeah. happened that the government did to hurt its own citizens. But in in those situations, so this, though, know. this was generally the agencies kind of running away with things. I mean, Cointel Pro was Hoover getting right. carried away, uh, like MK Ultra was. Was uh, CIA director Dulles getting carried away? Uh, and the CIA, as on the whole, is just a completely out of control organization. Uh, <laughs> like, frankly, yeah. So I think that the the amount of coordination and stuff with nine eleven makes it different from that aspect. Because yeah. I mean, your your long time saying was that there's no way all the planning it took to plan something like this, there's no way all the people would keep it a secret. It would, it would have taken such a huge effort. And, you know, I think there's this, I think there's always this belief that, you know, there are so many people who are ready to just take a secret to their grave for the government. And I just don't think that we find it to be true. Right? Like there are whistleblowers all the time that go, Holy shit, this is wrong. And it's for much more mundane stuff than, Oh, the government is plotting to fly commercial airliners into buildings and kill thousands of American citizens. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 I mean, when you boil it down to like what what really happened on 9-11, it's easy to just say, like, the government tried to orchestrate these terror attacks to justify going to war with Afghanistan and going to war with Iraq. But when you really break it down and you say like the government purposefully just murdered thousands of citizens. I don't know. It's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow for me. Right. Oh, baby. More 9-11 action. Hooey, this is a big one. This is the this is this a big is, one. This is a big one. This is the big This is one of the I think this is the biggest episode we've ever done. Was this four hours long? Let me see. I'm checking on the time here, Bunk. Okay. He's gonna check the time. Art's gonna check the time. Uh but 9-11 history and the inside job. This right. was four hours long. Four hours Ooh. and three minutes long. Aye, aye, aye. That's a big, big, big boy topic. Um Again, another episode. I feel like it, we you could go on for another four hours. There's yeah. so much to talk about, man. And and this one especially too. I mean, even more so than the buildings. The buildings is almost like a finite topic, right? Because the buildings pale in comparison to this. Yeah, because there's a limited number of buildings that were actually involved in this. Um, but this is like really, you know, it's about government uh, cover up. Was it's it an inside job? History leading to this, like the. Political climate. Oh, the history. The is, cultural. It, the climate. history takes up an hour. Yeah, that's probably my fault. Well, uh, I think it, it is no, my fault. I think it, it's important to know, though. It's interesting and it's important to know the history. I mean, what was the history of this 
tumultuous, 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 tumultuous uh, time period. I mean, who knows? Maybe I went too far back. Maybe I got too deep into history. But, you know, whatever. You like history. You are the history hog. I am the history hog. <laughs> um, you know, I think. I I I don't. I mean, I've never re-listened to this one besides editing it. But uh, I do hope, though, that like I mean, this one we were, you know, it, this is a touchy subject. If there there was people who served in the war that came after nine eleven, and wars wars, and uh, also nine eleven affected a lot of different people negatively in a lot of different ways. I do hope that we did not come off as insensitive. Yeah, you know, we're obviously fucking obnoxious just obnoxious assholes sure but we did make a concerted effort and i think we even say it on the episode that we don't want to come off as dicks yeah we tried to be respectful respectful because it is it is a sensitive topic and you know as we said with part two like this is a relatively recent event yeah uh, I mean, there's only 20 years of separation right. uh, between the actual event. I mean, not even. And it's something point. that did affect everyone in the country, really, in some ways. I yeah. Mean, it, it, even though, you know, we weren't from New York, we weren't there, you know. And I do hope, you know, if there was anybody who did serve after those times, you know, obviously we're not sitting there being like, oh, fuck those people. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think we talked about it during the episode. It's like for people who weren't alive when JFK was assassinated, yeah. this is like that JFK moment for a lot of people where you always will remember where you were and what you were doing when you found out or when you, you know, and, and even more so than JFK, like this was televised. Yeah. Like cameras were rolling when the second plane hit the second tower, you know? This nothing like this had ever been another had ever happened ever before. Yeah. And hopefully nothing like it will ever happen again. Yeah. But uh, despite what the Guinness Book of World Records wants to do. Oh, you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Think you could top this record. <laughs> um yeah, I mean it's, you know, I don't know. Maybe this one this one I think if I relooked at it on a different day, you might get a different verdict out of me, but maybe not. Yeah. I remember I think at the end we kind of surmised <laughs> it by saying like uh, I think this is another episode. Didn't some like more information on 9-11 come out pretty recently? I can't remember. It was like some other stuff where it was basically like, they were like, yeah, Saudi Arabia knew. Uh, <laughs> People yeah. knew what was going on. Yeah, I think that you're Something right. Something like that. Um, yeah, I think that you're right. I don't know. Sometimes I think that if you re-listen to stuff, you might think like, oh man, Andy and Art kind of went a little soft. On that, and it's like maybe we did, you know. Where sometimes if you're in a certain mood, and you're doing the episode, you know, maybe it's like you go a little bit softer than you would normally. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just how it strikes you when you yeah. like sit there and you're like thinking about it. Yeah. I'm sure if you ask me different days, maybe I would say different things about different topics. But, I mean, we will say, you know, we obviously condemned a lot of the uh, political powers that be at the time. I mean. I can't remember exactly. I think I might have been a little bit more convinced than you. I think we were, I think I was kind of in the camp of like, it's a more mundane conspiracy where it's like, where it's something that happens bureaucratic, bureaucratic incompetence that led to a really, really terrible outcome. Like we, I think we both were pretty convinced that they tried to cover it up after the fact. Right. That they, that it's not so much that they knew it was going to happen and they let it happen. It's that people knew that something was going to happen and didn't, and they couldn't coordinate enough to stop it. And there are all these other failings. Like it's just, it's a real 
it's a real culmination of a lot of different stuff. And, you know, Al-Qaeda just happened to, like, perfectly exploit all of these, like, real weaknesses right. in our, like, intelligence community and our security community um, and, and achieve what they were trying to do in a way. Well, I mean, it was factual that they did know it was happening because we, we cover it like the CIA, NSA, they had all these taps on the phones. They knew something was a buzz and yeah, like nothing was done about it. I guess the question was, I think I was like a little bit more plausible in it than you. Like I was like, someone was probably aware and they just kind of didn't do anything because yeah, well, it's they like, know that going into a forever war, like we say on the episode is beneficial for lines, a lot of pockets. The NSA, the NSA knew something was, was up. And they wouldn't share all that information with other agencies. And, you know, it's there's that whole thing of like it ended up on President Bush's desk. Um, you know, there's also this angle of like uh, the transition between the Clinton and Bush administrations. Right. Because um, obviously there was this cloud of um, taint, I guess, <laughs> over the Bush election because of the whole Florida thing and whatever. It wasn't a totally clean election because of all that controversy uh and so it it kind of like delayed and you know does the clinton administration have any culpability for like maybe not getting bush involved enough in security stuff like yeah. did it set the bush administration off on the wrong foot we, we talk about his standpoint? relationship too with dick cheney and who mm -hmm. dick cheney was and a little bit of his history and yeah. his power and you know, it's a, uh, I mean, it's a four hour beast. If you really want to get into that kind of stuff, you know, I'm not going to say it's the happiest episode. <laughs> no, no, it's probably not the most fun. Yeah. It's a little but depressing. It interesting. And I think that, uh, you know, as much as we could at the time, obviously, like you said, there's always going to be new information coming out, but we delivered a humongous enchilada, yeah. a whole enchilada. Mm -hmm. Well, Andy, the one they say one is the loneliest number, but uh, I don't know if the subject of this topic is has ever been lonely in his life, knowing what he got into. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, so let's drop the innuendo and let's hit the number one on the charts, topping out at uh, peak of the top, the top of the chart. Whatever, fuck you. The top of the charts, number one, uh? in our top five episode <laughs> countdown of 2020 is. Bob Lazar. You can't look at either of these two guys and say they aren't profiting off of this. This is on Netflix. Absolutely. He was on the fucking Joe Rogan podcast. Like, I mean, yeah, Corbell was all over media talking to like all these different he's on fucking Larry King for guts I mean all yeah. over the place you I mean you can't look at it and say like oh it's like they're profiting off of this he's like, really trying to weaponize his celebrity <laughs> he's really trying to monetize his curiosity <laughs> yeah Justin says uh Justin had this great co quote oh yeah when we were talking this to him about funny. it there's some really compelling information somewhere through the fog of Jeremy Corbell's Axe body spray. <laughs> Listen, we're shitting on Jeremy a lot, and I think, you know, it's not nice to shit on somebody's art because I really do think that when you read about Jeremy Corbell, he actually has a black belt in jujitsu, which is super interesting. He was very into martial arts. Yeah. And he 
ran a program for at-risk youth with with martial arts, which is very admirable, very cool. Yeah, he was, he was like a he was like a big martial arts instructor until he oh, got yeah. hurt. He got sick traveling in India. He got well, a that's terrible it, like valley fever or something, and he lost yeah. like almost forty pounds. Yeah, he was near and, death. Um, you know, uh, but uh, you know, he also has a background in like. Uh, fine art and avant-garde art. And I think you fashion see that design. that's apparent. He's like a fashion designer. Fashion de- it's like that's apparent in this film because this is not like a run-of-the-mill documentary. This is, um, it's very much more of a movie that somebody who is an avid believer and an avid, um, he's. it's not like Jeremy questions Bob ever. It's not like Jeremy does Louis Thoreau style fly on the wall. Like I'm going to go live with Bob Lazar and his wacky life. It's none of that. Jeremy is a strong believer of it. He loves this kind of stuff and that's fine. I just think that there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that. Like I listed all the shit I hate about the fucking film, the annoying (laughs) pulsing techno music constantly in the background, filming George Knapp in his echoey pool house. What the frick was that about? Why do you say frick? What the fuck? Who, who's listening to this children? Don't let children listen to this podcast. Making Rourke's narration because I can't understand what the fuck he's saying. Yeah. (laughs) The pacing of the film, the chronology of the storytelling is very confusing. Uh, None of it makes sense. I understand that Bob doesn't want to talk about his past because that's where the holes in his story lie. But it's so like I understood better Bob Lazar's story from the Joe Rogan thing than I did from oh, yeah. Jeremy's thing because he jumps around all over the fucking place. Well, and it isn't until like halfway through the movie that you're like, oh, that's what he oh, he fucking worked on alien tech. Like <laughs> it's so, like it starts the, out with like the raid, the FBI raid. And you're like, oh, I guess I get it. That's a hook. And it's like. Oh shit, like how'd this guy get raided by the FBI? Like, oh, what the fuck? And it's like you don't learn about that until like 75% through the movie. But you know, it's like it, at first it's like as somebody somebody like me who's coming into it with uh not a big knowledge of Bob Lazar, it's like it could be anything. Like maybe he's maybe he's got like child pornography on his computer. Like I don't know why he's being raided by the FBI. And <laughs> I'm expecting this I'm expecting this film to tell me, but it takes until like two thirds of the way through before it comes back to this. And you're like, Oh, that's what the whole beginning of the movie was about. It was about this raid that's happening because of this stolen element. One fifteen. It's like it. I agree with you on the chronology. My notes when I was watching it are like all over the place. It's like literally everything just boomerangs around. It's like it gets mentioned at one point and then later on, they actually give you the information about it. Like it's, It's a confusing, it's a confusing setup. <laughs> Told you, Bob Lazar's a fucking Chad. Bob's a Chad. He's a Chad. He's not, he's not Virgin Corbell. He's fucking Chad, okay? Yeah, Virgin Corbell. He fucks. <laughs> he yeah. fucks, dude. He fucks, he fucks early, he fucks often. Yeah. He'll give you a desert blast, uh, if you know what I mean. <laughs> your, your lake, your lake bed's not going to be dry after an encounter with Bob Lazar, that's for sure. <laughs> it's the same it's like the same thing with science like he can he can use the words but he's not always like adding new information or putting them together in a way that's meaningful or helpful um or sometimes even comprehensible 
He blinded me with science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bob Lazar blinded me with science. He blinded me with his massive hog and his souped up Honda <laughs> Civic. <laughs> <laughs> the f- hey, baby, I got a, I got a jet engine in my. Is that a jet engine in your pants? Yeah, you there, just, it is, uh, there it is. There it is. Um, what's your energy coefficient on that jet engine you're sporting in your jeans, there, Bob? Um, you know Bob's packing up jet engine down there. I I gotta tell Bob about puts what. jet engines on everything. You know he put one on his hog. What well, definitely? Yeah, he's got a jet powered dick now. <laughs> they didn't. Um, they wrote about that in Alamogordo yeah. too. I got another <laughs> thing. I got another thing I want to bring up with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were we were just kind of you were just kind of touching on this, and it's the element of hypnosis. Now, obviously, in the Corbell film, they bring up the hypnosis. They bring out the guy yes. who did the hypnosis for Bob. Uh, Bob after- went to a hypnotist to help yeah. remember details about the sports model, which is what he calls the craft that he worked on. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, but and then he draws a very detailed, actually pretty decent outline of the whole thing which by the way he sells prints of on his website yeah i was gonna say uh, the same thing <laughs> um so he drew he, he draws and he the the hypnotist went through all these exercises with him to help him remember details i think i think the thing is that as we learned doing our mandela effect episode uh oh, your, yeah. mem- your memory is a very malleable thing oh and yeah. using hypnosis to access repressed memories or things that you think you've forgotten. Um, I guess what I'm trying to suggest in all this, is it possible that Bob, Bob, Bob was able to pass polygraph tests. Polygraph tests are bullshit. By the way, can I just say it's fine. They're very easy to cheat them. All you have to do is clench your butt. Really? I'm serious. You have to clench your butt very hard. This is true. You have to clench your butt very hard and get your stress levels. Uh, you have to get your blood pressure and stress levels like high before they start measuring you. Oh, so that's that, a good idea. So that like your normal, you unclench your asshole and your uh, stress levels drop a little bit when you're actually being questioned. You can fucking fake the whole damn thing. It's a true fact. Yeah. And, you know, trust me, like, when it comes to techniques on clenching your butt, <laughs> Art's the guy. I can fucking. I could fucking pop out a diamond. You put some coal in my butt cheeks, I'll pop out a diamond for you. Um put that on a ring and use it to marry your second wife. <laughs> While you days before your first wife commits suicide. And then go open a brothel. Then then find a prostitute after your second wife leaves you and try to help that prostitute set up a business and get her on QuickBooks. It's the American way. <laughs> you know, serial killers. But you were saying, memory is very valuable. A, serial killers could pass a polygraph. Uh, Anyone can pass a polygraph. I'm I'm actually being serious about the butt, cl- the butt clench. The art butt clench <laughs> method is tried and true. It is uh, yeah. well tested. Well, no, it makes, it makes you, sense. If you, if you raise your stress levels, then all the equipment that they use to test you gets a different baseline. So right, then you're that's ba- it. So then if you calm down at all, they'll say, oh, well, you're not being deceptive. You're fine. You're much calmer uh, than when you sat down. Bobby L. Yeah. Bubble. Oh, boy, we uh, 
we deep dove into uh, Bobby L. This was from our good friend and Bunk Tech. Uh, Bunk Tech employee. Bunk Tech contractor. Contractor Justin Link sent send in this topic. Yeah. Um, great episode. Really fun. Uh, you know, it's funny enough. This episode, I think, aired before or after 9-11. They all aired in sequence. So it's like you go from it one was, of the most fun-loving. Bob, Bob Lazar yeah. and then right into 9-11. Okay, so you went from one of the most fun-loving episodes into one of the most depressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we touched on uh, old Jeremy Corbell as well. His, uh, his fucking... Uh, yeah, this is a, this is what the is uh, this is the second Jeremy Corbell, uh, Jeremy Lockyer Kenyon Corbell or whatever Kenyon Lockyer. Corbell. You got it, yeah. Was I said that right? Yeah, that's right. He he wants you to fucking weaponize your curiosity, baby. After I had weaponized my curiosity, yeah, he's gonna weaponize it. You better pick a fucking safe word, listeners, because your your curiosity is about to get weaponized, and he's coming in hordes. Yeah, he's get so your curious. Fucking Get your fucking UFO safe word ready, baby, because I'm weaponized. My curiosity is hard, red, and wet, and it's ready to go. Uh, I didn't. I didn't mention it because it doesn't. Uh, it didn't come up. I think in our actual Skinwalker episode, but Jeremy Corbell also did a Skinwalker movie. He did. He did a Skinwalker. Him movie. and George Knapp go out on the Skinwalker yep. Ranch. Yep. We might have touched on that. I can't remember, but yeah. it's definitely something to bring up. I mean, he's done a lot of movies. Not big fans of Jeremy Corbell. Yeah, his, uh, yeah, yeah. For his the, movie styles. I mean, uh, I haven't, I haven't watched the, uh, I haven't watched the Skinwalker one because the reviews yeah. of it were pretty poor. <laughs> yeah, consensus seems to be it's not a very good movie, as far as I could tell. But uh, I'm sure there are people that like it. Um, you know, we did watch the Bob Lazar movie uh, that he did. It's I hesitate to even call it a documentary. Yeah, um, because of a lot of reasons, but. Um, what was the name of that? Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. Flying Saucers, yeah. Um, so we watched that as as part of the research for uh for, for that Bob Lazar episode. And yeah, he's got a style. And that style is about how he's the star. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like so much of that movie is him. Yeah. Shots of him in his house. I think I stuff. can't remember exactly, but you know, obviously, we kind of, I think we released this. End of April. End of April. If I don't remember if that was around the time when Bob Lazar was making the new rounds of his latest press release. He was on Joe Rogan with Jeremy yeah. and George Knapp, and that was a huge deal. I think that's what kind of put, you know, I think the Flying Saucers thing had just come out, and um, it was a buzz, and people were, you know, they... They went on a big press tour. You know, obviously they got on Joe Rogan and it's like, you know, I mean, that's hundreds of millions of listeners. I don't even know how many fucking people. Are <laughs> yeah. It's number one podcast in the world. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, their names were everywhere and Jeremy Corbell was doing press all over the place. So, yeah. and it's on fucking Netflix of all places. So they had, our, they had themselves a good year. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, we can knock them down all they want. And what do they give a shit? You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Jer Jeremy uh, Corbell is doing all right for himself. He's doing well. He's doing plenty fine. I'm sure. I'm sure Bobby L is as well. Yeah. We found, I mean, I remember you never made any money off of his stories. Okay. Well, yeah, he never did. Uh, I think, I think we just kind of, we weren't super convinced by Bob. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Um, you know, I, 
I went through a real journey as we were researching. Uh, that's um, true. You did. And and I and Ooh, I we'll put that in one of the clips, maybe. Yeah, I I went through a journey, and I was very uh very open about this uh during the episode that, you know, initially I'm reading about Bob's story, and I'm just like, hmm, this is pretty convincing. Yeah. And then it's like you hear some of the other stuff, and you're like, oh shit, like this kind of checks out. Like, like if you if you if all you read was George Knapp's version. Right. You'd be like, oh shit, this is fucking real. Bob Lazar is totally credible. Bob uh, is one of the few UFO people who is like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I'm not in it for personal gain. He's not recreating the story. Well, uh, yeah, I mean. I'm I'm going mm, on all of these points. Yeah, I mean. Well, he says first, all this stuff. At first. You read all that and then He says first. all this stuff. Right. But, um, you know, and I, you know, you do get that idea, I think, at first that this is, oh, just some humble guy who just, just wants to be left alone and and stuff. Like, I mean, now I don't know that I feel that way uh, necessarily. Like, right. Um, you know, but anyway, um, and it just makes you feel like, oh, wow, this is a guy who saw something, like felt like he had to say something. Right. And, you know, it got, it blew up and, you know, he doesn't know anything more because he stopped working at the facility and blah, blah, blah. And uh, in a lot of ways, uh, Bob Lazar kind of grew to be like, I don't know, in 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 the kind of like community of uh, believers, I guess, he's sort of like the guy who blew it wide open in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. Like, oh, this is the guy who brought the the real meat of the story to light. But it's like I, I started to have that feeling that like this guy – this guy's legit. Like he's kind of credible. And then you start digging into it and you know, you watch the movie, the Jeremy Corbell movie, and it's very flattering. And I was like, Oh damn. And like the timing of stuff is really weird. It's interesting. Like, you know, his shop getting raided while they're filming the movie. And you're like, Oh, right. Oh, he's not joking. Like the government's out to get him. And then it's like, you start, then you start doing like you read into the skeptical information and I was like, oh, this kind of like destroyed everything. <laughs> like I really went I was really on that journey. Like I was like sitting there one night and I'm thinking about this and I'm like on the toilet on the toilet where I do all my thinking because uh, and all your work and 14 all hours your eating and all your showering. <laughs> I spent 14 hours a day on the toilet. Uh, but I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking about this and I'm like. I think I believe Bob Lazar. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And then I was like, but how can I believe Bob Lazar? He's saying something that I don't believe. Right. Exactly. There's extraterrestrial craft that the government recovered. I'm like, I don't believe that. Like, I don't <laughs> like that doesn't fit with my view of the universe. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, but I believe Bob Lazar. I'm believing Bob Lazar. What's going on? Do I have to reassess everything I've ever said about you had like a full fucking mental breakdown over this. existential crisis yeah. for me. And then by the end, by before we did the episode, before we recorded it, I was like, okay, I don't believe Bob Lazar anymore. I think that Bob Lazar is a brothel owner who worked for a government contractor. He, in the 1990, he was arrested for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. He was a pimp. Well, he, he and his wife owned a brothel, uh, and then he helped uh, some prostitutes do their books. Yes. <laughs> and ended up getting arrested for that. He's a big uh, fireworks guy, too. Yeah. And he uh, does a big festival out in the desert. Yep. He lo loves to make fireworks. He's super into chemistry. Like he is, he is 
a science freak. Um, yep, science freak. Yeah. But also, it's like a lot of people who like analyze actual scientists who analyze the claims that he make are like none of this makes his sense. His degree likely he did not receive. Right, he a probably degree. falsified a lot of his like curriculum vitae. Uh, right, you know, he's one of these guys who it's like you know yeah it's like they're they're really into pop sci and they're into popular science and stuff. But it's like I think compared to like actual like legitimate scientists working in the fields, I don't know if he. He might match up. I don't know. Well, and he physicists, had, you know, he was like he was at Los Alamos. Yeah, but he, he was a contractor. There. He was a contractor. Right. His name his name shows up and people are like, well, he looked he worked for the firm. And it's like, well, he worked for the lab. And it's like he didn't. He worked as a contractor. So he was probably like doing like low level tech stuff, like not not as a scientist uh, working there. Um, he's probably like, I mean, and I'm not diminishing the stuff that he did. It's better than I could do. But um, he wasn't like a nuclear scientist working at Los Alamos. Right. Um, and it was probably the same kind of gig that he had when he was at area 51. And it's like, you know, I thought that the explanation was pretty reasonable to say that like he got caught going out there, watching them do these top secret tests. Cause he knew that they were going to happen and he brought some friends out. And so then he needed an out on this. Uh, and so <laughs> he told everybody he was being harassed, even though he probably like got fired or whatever. Right. And you know, the government had a chance to like, either like shut him down publicly and say what it was. And they chose not to do that. So it just grew into this big thing. Right. Um, They'd rather have him run around and be like aliens, element 115, yeah. blah, blah, blah. than actually say like, it's a spy plane that's right. used to spy on people. Spy, spy, spy. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> there's all this experimental stuff we're doing and he was there and he knew about it. Um, so I don't know. It's, you know, I think it's sort of similar to 9-11. It's like there's a much more mundane conspiracy. Yes, here. Bob Lazar caused 9-11. That's what right? you're saying. Yeah, that's I'm, that's I'm officially drawing the link between those two. Um, you know, I talked a lot in the episode about 9-11 about uh, World War One and the, you know, uh, imperialism in the Middle East. Um, and I think that all sort of like leads into Bob Lazar existing. And that's what ultimately caused 9 11. <laughs> yeah. Bob Lazar was, uh, has lived a long time. He was a former chief, to, you know, chief in the Ottoman Empire and uh, <laughs> Sultan. Sultan in the Ottoman Empire and Sultan uh, Lazar. Yeah. And he strapped a fucking jet engine onto a plane. First guy <laughs> to do that. And uh, yeah. So, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's a fun story. Again, I love the yeah. fun stories, fun imagery with Bob. I mean, yeah. it's a fun, compelling story. George Knapp can fucking sell the pants you're wearing right back. God to damn it, George God. Knapp. And Jeremy Corbell, not so much. Don't really want uh, anything to do with his pants. Uh, yeah, George George Knapp, anything George Knapp says, I'm eating it up because it sounds so good. He's got that fucking oh God, funny voice. Great fucking voice. And he just, he, he was like a journalist. He was like a yeah. news anchor. Well, a yeah. news anchor, but, you know, and... Uh, I mean, he's just good. He's just good. He's good at it. That's why he hosts Coast to Coast now. Right, right. He's good at it. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's got a great voice for radio. Oh, and he's just like a, a good broadcaster. Like right, he's right. Like a, he sells a good story. Yeah, and you know. He knows the nut. He knows the nut graph. And you know, it's like, I think that. <laughs> wait, the nut graph? You ever heard that? What? No. If you, the nut graph in like Journalism 101, the nut graph, I think is like the, the who, what, when, where of the story. Oh. You're supposed to get that out in like the first you're supposed to do that, but oh, I see. Know. Well, I think that I think that George, he's good at nutting, and was what I'm saying. Yeah, George. yeah, George, George, George nuts, yeah. George Knapp nuts. Uh, I think that George Knapp is uh, is an interesting character, of course. Um, 
and he does do a good job selling stuff. I mean, it's like, obviously he was a journalist, which I think gives a lot of weight to a story like Bob Lazar, because you're like, well, this is an actual journalist covering it. But then you're kind of like, okay, it's George. Like if you dig into George Knapp, it's like, okay, well it's George Knapp. Like right. he's a journalist. Sure. But like, he's definitely has a point of view that right. he's pushing. Right. You know, and it's behooves all three of them to push this as hard yeah. as they can because it's yeah. like, well, you know, they're gonna make a little. Oh yeah, George. George Knapp, Knapp is in the fucking. George Knapp was a producer of uh, yeah. Jeremy Corbell's Bob Lazar movie. Yeah, and they do a bunch of shit together. And right. Also, Jeremy Corbell, for some reason, decided to interview George Knapp in his pool house. Yeah, and use that audio. For and some the reason. audio is horrible. And it's like, this is a professional film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you could tell just from talking to him person to person that that wasn't going to work. Yeah. And you surely had a sound person on set with you yeah. who should have been saying like, this sucks. This hey, listen, we're horrible. amateurs, but even we can tell you don't film someone in a pool. <laughs> yeah. Please don't look up our web series where we did just that. <laughs> we did do that. Didn't we? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it behooves all of them to sell the story and push it and push it. And of course, cause it's, you know, and uh, I mean, hey, you're trying to make a buck. What do I give a shit? Right, a right. Fuck, and you know? it is a fun story. Yeah, Element 115, This all this wacky shit. Area 51, it's fun. Anti-gravity crafts. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, Andy, I mean, speaking of fun, here we are. We're at the end of our top five. That was 2020. Top five. Uh, we will see what 2021 holds. You know, who, knows? who knows what topics we'll cover? Yeah, we don't know. Um. I mean, uh, bunk funkers, we hope that you all have a wonderful bunk miss. Yeah. Um, we hope the package you're looking for is stuffed under your bunk tree. That's right. You all know the deal. Ready for you to unwrap. Uh, we hope you have the traditional bunk miss meal of canned corn and eggs. We hope that you play the traditional bunk miss game of Sitting around and looking at each other <laughs> near a fire. Uh, and, uh, be sure to always, you know, leave out a bottle of scotch and a uh, and a cheap cigar for Bunker to visit you on Bunk Miss. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you want that, but right. might as well do it anyway. Um, Bunk Funkers, thank you so much for making 2020 uh, a wonderful year for us. We appreciate all of you. Uh, and, uh, you know, listening to the show, supporting us, supporting us on Patreon, sending us in messages, subscribing on the YouTubes. Uh, we got big plans for 2021 and we, it, it, nothing, nothing we did this year could have been possible without you all yeah. supporting the show. Yeah. And it's always, we are so always grateful. on your backs. I yes. mean, um, we appreciate it. Yeah. We, uh, we are so grateful for you. Uh, and we look forward to more fun in 2021. That's right. Well, for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my Yule log. <laughs> my Yule, my Yule lad, my little Yule lad. Yule lad. You're a Yule lad. The superhero Yule lad. <laughs> uh, Andy Hart, I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada on 2020. I'm Yule Lad. I've weaponized my festivity.
Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.